Good to see you in the right side of America. Feels good out here. Feels good, right? Whole different feeling. Feels normal. Yeah. People aren't terrified. Correct. They got everybody scared as fuck in California. It's horrible, man. Everything's shut down. Everything feels bad. It's sad. It is sad. The more, the more businesses are completely closed, the sadder it is. It's seeing stuff that you know. Yeah. In the memories that you have there. It's also, I think it's harder to bounce back in big places. I think it's harder for big places to bounce back because you get like all these stores closed down. Like all the stores that got hit hard with the looting on Melrose, like they're still closed, right? Most Many of them come back? Yeah, yeah. When you drive down, the last time I was there, it's like boarded up, boarded up, boarded up, four lease, four lease, four lease. I'm like, this takes a long time to come back. It feels that way yeah. for sure. Some places are open, but it's not the same vibe. Yeah, out here, they're not interested in shutting things down the same way, especially the governor. He's like, we gotta keep businesses open. And he's right. Like, you, you can do it safely. I mean, I think you can do it safely here better than California because there's lower numbers, there's less people. Yeah. There's just, you know, everyone's on smushed in together and everyone's more relaxed because of that. It makes you realize when you come to a place that has less humans, it makes you realize, like, oh, that's better. Like, there's plenty of people out here. It's not like we're in the farms in the country in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. It's not yeah. like that. It's a city. It's a less populated city. Everything's just a little more, uh, yeah, relaxed. LA is a mm. giant county. Yeah. It, 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 people think it's a city and it's just a massive, huge place. And it smushes in with Orange County, which right. is even more populated, right? Yeah. Is, are, no, LA's probably more populated than Orange County. Orange County is so dense, though. There's, the traffic in Orange County on the 405 is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, when you drive down San Diego, and you're just like, where are all these people coming from? Right. There's so many of them. In North, too. I went up to Pebble Beach a couple weeks ago. That traffic's just crazy. I mean, you're six all, lanes. You're all in with golfing. It's you. unbelievable. You took a trip to Pebble Beach. I'm telling you, dude. It's the greatest thing. <laughs> Out of nowhere. I went to go smoke pot with my buddy Pete one day, and then, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm golfing. I'm like, great. I'll smoke pot with you there. I figured I would just drive the cart and have fun. The rest is history. Addicted. I caught myself the other day watching uh, a thing on the TV, like golf lessons or whatever, and at the same time, I was on my iPad on YouTube, not realizing I was doing two at once, learning how to chip. It's so much very fun. dangerous. That's why I never played. Why is it dangerous? Because it's a suck of time. It sucks time. Not that it's bad. People enjoy it. And, and, and as, as far as like activities that suck time, I mean, at least you're walking around. You're out in nature. You got all that beautiful green grass. You know, there's, there's positives to it. It's definitely an interesting thing to suck time because it gives me energy. And when I'm away from it, I can think more clearly about everything else. It's like it's very meditative. Mm-hmm. You're always thinking about your next shot or your last shot, what you did wrong, what you could have done better for the next one. So it's like when I'm out there, it's, I'm not looking at my phone for four or five hours, which is great. I'm not thinking about anything else. So that when I do afterwards, and you know, normally most days, if I don't do that, I sort of like crash out around evening time. But if it's a golf day, even if I'm up at six, five, seven a.m., I have energy all day, mm. all night after that. Those are the best days now. Yeah, it's probably like every like archery's like that. It's meditative. Yeah. It helps clear your mind up because it's so difficult, right? You're concentrating so hard on each individual putt and shot. Mm-hmm. I say right, putt. Yeah, yeah. Calm, shots, drives. It depends on what you're shooting. The, the drive Talk is from the tee. Yeah, the drive is from the tee. That's the first shot. That's power. Hopefully, some accuracy. You're aiming for the middle. Uh, is that the hardest to get good at? No, putting's the hardest. Really? Yeah, about miniature golf. It's all touch. That, putting's the most like archery. Miniature golf isn't really the same. <laughs> no, on the golf course, there's no windmill to knock it back at you. Gotta get up that ramp. That ramp's narrow. The ramp? Yeah, the ramp. Oh, yeah. To get to the windmill. Right, you gotta get it in the clown's mouth, <laughs> just like a Pebble Beach. <laughs> like, excuse me, where are your clowns? There's no other sport that's worth millions of dollars if you're the best that also has a miniature version that little kids play. Right? Like a fucked up version with all like bumpers everywhere and weird holes and it's fun though. It's on concrete with fucking fake grass over it, right? Yeah. There's no I guess there's bumper pool, but pool's not pool's not nearly as popular as golf in terms of um in terms of money, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> like golfers make like, legit cash. Rice and DeChambeau. You know what that is? Powerful drive. 423 yard drive. That is insanity. That's so far. He did this on purpose. There's like an interview recently about him because he's been getting popularity. He like decided to like get jacked. He hits it 40, 50 yards farther than Tiger Woods ever did. Jesus. So he's just decided to get really big. He looks like a football player. Yeah. <clears throat> Who's that one dude that does the thing at the driving ranges where he steps his leg up in the air like he's throwing a pitch and then he steps forward and it's crazy torque. He's got this crazy movie he does where he lifts his leg up and then he steps into it mm-hmm. and whacks it. Yeah, he's uh, there's videos of him on YouTube. We've actually talked about him before. I don't think he's hitting it that far though. I don't think anybody's hitting a 423. Maybe some really? weird pro driver guy, but yeah, this guy's a freak. Well, also, this guy's accurate. I mean, he's, if, right. he's hitting it exactly in the middle. Like, look where it lands. And he just won the Masters. I do believe. Oh, that's going on right now. Oh, the US Open. Yeah, the US Open. And uh, what's crazy about him? So what's crazy about the sport of golf is that that's your first shot, and then after that touch, as you get closer to the whole touch becomes so much more important. Mm. So this guy can do that, and he can also make a 10-foot putt that has a hill from right to left and then bends mm. from left to right. Like, the, There's a comparison, I guess, to pool, the break shot. Yeah. You know, like some guys have crazy break shots like mm-hmm. with a lot of power, and then afterwards it's a touch and finesse game. Right, and some guys might get in their head on the eight ball, which is mm-hmm. every hole, every putt. Yeah. It's the most frustrating yet rewarding part. Also, you guys, you're not playing on flat surface. You've got little hills you have to right. like, look at. you got to get low and try to figure out where you hit it on the hill and make it drop yeah. in the hole. And in the morning, because uh, the ground's moist, especially in California, they water everything, and then you're just in a desert. So if you start at, say, um, 7 or 8 a.m., it's pretty straight. Like there's not, a, And also, it's slower. Because it's wet. Right. And by 10, 11, 12, once the heat kicks up, things are moving much faster. So you mm. have to adjust throughout the day for uh, from slow to fast and all these things. So it changed every hole. Literally changes as goes on. Yeah, that, that's the same with a uh, pool with moisture. <clears throat> if you're playing in a place that has a lot of moisture, like uh, some of the best players on earth come from the Philippines. And what happened is 
soldiers, I believe in uh, the Second World War, brought over to the Philippines pool. They taught them pool. And uh, they play a lot of pool outside. So they have these uh, outside areas, like chickens running around and shit, and they're playing pool, like a lot of open air uh, pool tables. And it's obviously it's an island, so it's near the ocean, it's probably a lot of humidity in the air. And the tables, uh, they also have this weird thing they do where they pour powder on the rails. So like they have like baby powder because the tables, because everything gets so slick because it's wet and sweaty and sticky uh, and moist. So they put uh, baby powder near the pockets and they all touch the baby powder on their fingers and then you know the cube runs smooth through your hand. But then you're always touching the table. So you're putting baby powder over the table. So the table gets really dirty. Right. So they're playing on these like dirty, slow, wet tables. And so they develop these like real fluid strokes because they're so used to having to power the ball around these disgusting tables. Like not disgusting, but just yeah. you, you would be upset if you played on a table like that in America. You'd say, Why don't you guys clean the table? But over there they don't do a fuck. Also they don't do a fuck if there's a bunch of people around the table. So they have these games. And I watch these games like if you looked at my YouTube feed you'd fucking laugh. Because like the suggested videos, the vast majority of them are Filipino pool. <laughs> I watch Efren Reyes. If you look at Jeff Galing production, Jeff Galing is a guy who films it's not like simple stuff. They film it like with a tripod and a cell phone and then uh, they, they just film these pool matches and people get obsessed with watching Efren Reyes play these young guns in the Philippines. Efren Reyes is probably the greatest pool player of all time. Like pretty widely regarded. He like the Hicks and Gracie pool and he's so playing like these, Manny Pacquiao, right? Um, Manny Pacquiao is a killer, by the way. Yeah. Manny, Manny Pacquiao is a killer pool player. Really? Like, oh God, wow. like world class. Like Manny Pacquiao could play professional. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like he gambles with professionals. Damn. Yeah. My friend Max Everly, who's a, you met Max? I think Max. So. No, yeah. yeah. He's a legit pro. Like Max is like world champion caliber pro, and he's gambled with Manny Pacquiao. And he said Manny Pacquiao is good. He says you have to really bear down and beat him. Like <clears throat> they play a race to ten. He might beat Manny because Max is world class, but he might beat Manny like ten to seven or ten to six. Whereas he beat me like ten to one or ten to two. Like Manny's much better than me. He's really good. Manny's better than you at pool. Yeah, yeah. He's legit. There's Manny right there. Yeah, dude. Let him take that ball in, son. Wow. And get position on the six. He's uh, he's super legit, super legit, and he's got a great stroke. And he's also left-handed. I think there's a thing about left-handed people. And I say this as a right-handed person. I think generally they're better at shit. Yep, I agree. My, one of my best golf buddies who helps me get a lot better because he's great. Um, look how good he is, dude. Seriously, look how fucking good he is. He bumped the eight. I don't know if he got position on the five there. He might have fucked that up. But he plays really good. Yeah. Like 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 I said, if I saw him in a tournament and I didn't know it was Manny Pacquiao, I'd be like, oh, this guy's really good. He's a pro, he's essentially a pro. But that's also because he's from the Philippines. In the, the Philippines, look how good he gets. Like, perfect position on the seven. Watch this. Seven to the eight, eight to the ten, and he's out. Ten ball. Watch this. Ah. If you watch how he strokes the ball, like everything's super precise. Wow. Look at his position. That's he's crazy. a professional, like a, like a legit professional. So if Manny decides to retire from uh, from fighting and goes uh, into professional pool, he might win some world championships. Like no bullshit. I mean, he's still fighting actively. They're actually talking about him fighting Conor McGregor right now, which is kind of bonkers. But that gets out. Beautiful position. Why do you say it's kind of bonkers? Because he's fighting Conor McGregor. Dominate Conor. Right? Is that a question? He's yeah, talking about one of the greatest boxers of all time. I agree. Against a guy with one professional boxing match. I agree, and I'm a huge Manny Pacquiao fan. But but I can't believe it. The other week, I rewatched. McGregor Mayweather mm-hmm. since it's been like done it just it was on my Showtime app and I wanted to watch some boxing it right. popped up and I clicked on it and I did not remember I remembered Connor shocking me with how good he did but mm-hmm. I did not remember it being as close as it truly was let me explain something yeah. <clears throat> the reason why it was close is because Mayweather let him blow his bod right. just let him look he clipped Mayweather with a legit, legit left uppercut early in the fight and I was kind of stunned and I was like wow that's really legit watch this here we go See, what Connor, look at that. If you see it, watch this left uppercut. If you, if you, if you, I don't think they replay that really quick. Oh, so let's re- rewind a little bit so just so I can see it because it's really, really good. I mean, look I at that, left yeah. uppercut. Here's the thing. Mayweather had to figure out Connor's timing because what Connor is, Connor is not a professional boxer, okay? So because he's not a professional boxer, he's not as um, efficient and he's going to get tired easier. Mayweather is one of the greatest, if not the greatest boxer of all time. I, I say there's a real good argument he's the greatest of all time because yeah. he's undefeated 50 and 0 and really only been hurt by Sugar Shane Mosley and Mike Donna, two guys, mm-hmm. in, in, in a spectacular career, 50 and 0, and just gets hit less than anybody. And he's super smart about how he sets up fights. He sets up one of these guys who talks a mess of shit and gets everybody wanting to root for him to lose. He'll show you all his Rolls Royces, he'll show you all his money, he'll show you all his watches. And everybody's like, he's going to go broke, he's going to go broke, but he never does. He keeps making money, he keeps making money. So, because if you look at his style, he's, he's got a brilliant style. His style is take the minimal amount of damage, find your openings, and then establish your game, and then dominate. Yeah. And that's what he's done to everybody. That's what he did to Manny Pacquiao in their fight, and you know, Manny Pacquiao apparently had a fucked up shoulder, but that's what he did to Ricky Hatton, dominated Ricky Hatton at the time, was you know, one of the best in the world, and a guy that a lot of people were interested in seeing how he would do against Mayweather. And then the second fight with Madonna, you can see the brilliance of Mayweather, because he knew he got clipped in the first fight. So he digested all of Madonna's movements and what he did wrong in the first fight, and he came out in the second fight and just put on a clinic. He's the best of all time. Yeah. But Connor is a freak. He's an explosive guy. He's so fast and there's no remedy for that right. other than getting a guy tired. So what Mayweather was doing was boxing with him but preserving. Like being safe. Got clipped a couple times realized that Connor can punch. Connor can punch. But just drag him into deep water. Drag him into deep water. And that's what a guy like Mayweather would do. He's the most, he's the most intelligent in terms of his overall strategy to preserve his health yet to always win. I mean he's the most intelligent. He's so good. You know all the greats have suffered 
losses and setbacks and except him yeah except him we don't even know what it's like i mean we don't even know how he would recover we know he's had tough fights he's had a couple of tough fights but dude he's so goddamn good he's so protected he knows where to be and where not to be he's so composed like look at that look at, look at that movement look how he moves away from everything so you're, you're punching at air and you're still threatening but you're not really hitting him he's making you throw punches and occasionally you clip him with a shot as he's moving away and he rolls with a lot of shit so it's really you gotta be a guy like, like sugar shane mosley clipped him really clipped him like really hurt him and he just grabbed a hold of him held on to him and eventually started kicking sugar shane's ass mm-hmm. just took time he's uh if you're a young boxer and you want to know what it's like to be a 41 year old and still be at the top of your game you got to be like him or like bernard hopkins when bernard hopkins was at the top of his game he was older he was like in his 40s like he was i think he was 36 when he beat felix trinidad and a lot of people like bernard's done it's over felix trinidad tito trinidad is the future and he lit felix trinidad on fire yeah. and then the same thing with kelly pavlik he lit kelly say, pavlik i was fire. not expecting that we were expecting that to be kelly pavlik's big like return mm-hmm. and he got smashed bernard hopkins is a national treasure yeah he's because what he look at that kind of pops him with that jab and that was uncomfortable but it's like he's look, look how calm he is stop back that up back that up a second look how goddamn calm he is watch his jab come to floyd's face he doesn't even blink it touches him in the nose but he knows he's not gonna hurt him look, this, watch like this. look at this look at this he doesn't even move wow. he doesn't even move he's a master of distance he really is a master of distance bernard was a master of distance too and bernard was a different kind of style different kind of defensive style bernard like would frustrate guys a lot he'd clinch with them tie you up make it very physical and guys get real frustrated and they didn't know what to do and they just want to fucking start winning punches and then you get right in your face again and clinch a hold of you but then break with you and catch you with the left hook break catch you with the right hand always defensive always protect always disciplined you know frustrating your opponent in boxing is one of the interesting things right like holyfield oh, yeah. tyson it's crazy everybody remembers the ear bite but not a lot of people talk about the massive amount of clinching and headbutts that holyfield was landing on in that fight oh yeah it's very clear when you watch it again well the headbutts are interesting it's like the question is did he do it on purpose and that's what tyson was saying that he's doing this on purpose he's trying to cut me and cut my face and cut tyson the, and that's when tyson bit his ear and tyson's idea at the time at least was that he was doing it on purpose you know but it's also like his style style to get it, put his face put his head on your, your chest you know put his forehead on your chest and just make it a test of wills like very few human beings have the kind of will that Amanda holyfield has you ever watch the Riddick Bow fights yeah those are crazy to watch because Riddick Bow was way bigger than holyfield you remember holyfield is a cruiserweight champion so holyfield I want to say he fought like heavyweight in the Olympics. I might be wrong about that. I want to say he fought at like 176 in the Olympics. Find out what he fought at. They used to have a subscription when I was a kid to The Ring magazine. Oh, yeah. The Bible of Boxing, son. Yeah. They have a lineal heavyweight belt. They give out their own belt. Like the ring belt is as prestigious as any other belt. WBC, WBO. It is the red, white, and blue side straps. Yeah, it's got like crazy ruffles yeah, to it yeah. and like old school. Looks yeah. like something Jack Johnson would have wore. So cool. Oh, it's the coolest. It's, it's weird cool. how like cool trophies and stuff sometimes get weird. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that the other day about the green jacket. The mask. It's a weird, uh, basically <laughs> the ugliest <laughs> jacket. Yeah, it's like it's, you're such, such a badass. Yeah. We're discussing jackets. <laughs> yeah. And you see yeah. those guys when they're all together. It's like, hey, like they're like so happy right. to be wearing these ugly jackets together. Fucking diamonds and Rolexes wearing a gross jacket. Yeah. That's his first professional fight that light heavy. But right before that, he was listed around age 21 at 178, which is around the time he was in Olympics. So he, so he probably fought at light heavyweight. So his, if his first professional fight was light heavyweight, and then he went on to be the cruiserweight champion. He beat uh, Dwight Muhammad Kawi, who used to be Dwight Braxton. Dwight Braxton was his five, I was five seven, two hundred pounds. He was a, a tank, just a tank. He would come at you like real low. He would get in a crouch, and guys would be like, "What the fuck?" He'd be like, "Way down here," and he just fucking jacked. And he was another guy out of prison, so just tough as shit. Like uh, Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins learned a lot of his discipline by being locked up. He's like, "I never want this to happen to me again." There's a famous story about Bernard leaving prison and one of the, the guards saying, "You'll be back." And he's like, "Not me, bitch. I'm Bernard Hopkins, motherfucker. I'm gonna be a world champion, and I'm gonna get this get this chapter out of my life." And went on to be one of the most disciplined boxers ever. That's why he was able to compete deep in his forties. He lost to Joe Smith. I think he was 51 when he lost his final fight. And Joe Smith Jr. is just this fucking savage. Like one of those barbarian construction workers who uh, still has a full-time job but still fights at a world-class level. Scary. Savage. Yeah. Savage human being. Did you see the uh, fighter who had his jaw split? <gasps> and had fought for like four more rounds with it? What? The body's at the bottom mandible. Th- that happens. Down. It breaks in half right here and goes up and down. Oh, yeah, check, check, fuck so. that. Oh Jesus! Oh no! Look, look how it's dropped down. This happened in the second round, and they and kept, kept fighting. fighting. He wanted to fight, but they had to like tell him, "Hey, your jaw's broken. That's not good." <laughs> well, the problem. Oh my God, it's so it's so broken. Yeah. The problem is it'll tear all the tissue in there, and it'll never heal right. Young oh my God, Benjamin Hussein from Australia. Who him? Uh, ben Mahoney. They, said it dislodged, they thought it just dislodged his mouthpiece, and then a bunch of blood started coming out. There was but, a, yeah. a woman who had that in an MMA fight. Kim Couture. She was Randy Couture's wife at the time, and uh, her jaw did the same thing. Dropped down. You can see it Oh my God, that is crazy. No. That's crazy. Look at the. Oh my no. God. Oh. oh my God. Good Lord! Can you imagine the headache the next day? <clears throat> I saw a video of a lion that got kicked oh. by a gazelle and had a broken jaw. That's, that's some hard shit to look at because you're like, ooh, this is not going to last. There's no recovering from that, right? No. Nah, you're a lion. Hospitals. Right? No lion hospitals? <laughs> Lions have one shot of getting injured. They get injured once in their life and then it's over. 
Mm. So how long do you think they last after an injury like that? Dead, dead within a couple weeks. They usually started death. You think the lion, starved to death, you can't eat. You think the lion keeps thinking, you think they have like memories and they're like, that fucking gazelle, that fucking gazelle. No, nope. I think they hold no grudges. Right. I think grudges are connected to cognitive function, like our ego, our, our understanding of ourselves. That's like, oh, I'm getting back. Because it's like your ego. I don't think animals have an ego. They have, they have a sense of fair, though. Animals have a sense of, some animals do, at least chimps do. Hmm. One of the reasons why chimps attack people is because if people give something to someone else, they don't give it to them. Oh. They have a real sense of fairness. Wow. Yeah, there's a famous story of this guy who had a pet chimp, and then the thing about chimps is you can keep them when they're young, and then they get older, and it's like a man, but a man that's five times stronger than you, and like, why is he listen to you? He's not gonna listen to you. So I think he started biting off fingers. It's one of the things chimps do. Get mad, get the bed off your finger. Yeah, just let you know they're the boss. Like, they don't give a fuck if you're injured. They have no remorse, right? And they're intelligent. So you have this thing. It's not a dog. It's not a person. It's this weird in-between thing. It's an animal, but it's also intelligent. And so when you do something for someone else, but you don't do something for them, they get rage, like horrific rage. Mm. So this guy gets rid of this chimp, brings it to a shelter. The shelter takes it in. And he goes to visit it every year. And the chimp goes to see him, like, oh, my friend, I miss you, I miss you. Why can't I come home? But he can't come home ever because he would just take over the house, right? Because he's a grown chimp. He, like, they don't castrate chimps the way they castrate dogs. Like, you, when you castrate a dog, like, everybody, it's standard. People think it's good. Oh, did you get your dog neutered? Yeah, I did. And, like, you want your dog to have no testosterone. You want your dog to have no balls. But then it becomes a different thing. Right. Then it's like it's tired. And, like, it, like, have you ever seen a dog get snipped? I had one of my dogs get snipped when it was five years old. It was too aggressive. And so someone talked me into it. And then when I got snipped, all of a sudden he was just tired all the time. He was lazy. And I realized, oh, you didn't have any testosterone anymore. It's all gone. I'm like, wow. Like, so the dog's a different dog now. So you can't do that to chimps. For whatever reason, you can't do that to chimps. You can't do that to chimps. Mm-hmm. So this guy goes to visit the chimp and he brings a birthday cake. Happy birthday, buddy. And the other chimps, they're in cages right next to him. They're like, this motherfucker didn't bring me a cake? I can't believe this shit. So they figure out a way to get out and they got out and they attacked the man and they tore him apart. They tore his face off, they tore his dick off, they tore his feet off, they, they bit his fingers off. It's one of the most horrific, cruel attacks you'll ever hear of because they did it to try to take away from him the things he wants and needs. Like chimps recognize you need your fingers in order to do things, you need your face in order to see, you need your dick in order to fuck. So that's the things they go after. Fucking assholes. They don't, they don't just try to kill you. They try to take away what it means to be a human. So if you try to hide your hands, they'll pull your hands away from them and open them up and bite them off like crazy with a rage-filled look in their eye. And they don't communicate with language, so they only have the sense in their head of what's fair and what's not fair and what you've done to them. So if you do something that makes them jealous, they think immediately you've done some, something bad to them. They don't think that, no, no, I just ate my friend a cake. Uh-uh. You made them feel bad, so it's you. You made them feel bad, so they go right after you. It's, it's, it's like a sort of a, it's an interesting study in the way sometimes people look at things. Like, we've all been jealous, right? You've been jealous of someone. You see someone doing something well and you go, oh, I wish I was that guy. But you don't go attack that person, right? People recognize, like, it's not his fault that I feel bad that he has this Corvette. I have to just, fuck, I just gotta appreciate the guy's hustle. Guy's out there kicking ass. All right, I gotta get my shit together. But there's a thing that we have initially, especially when we're children, we, we feel angry, like we feel upset, like we feel uh, like you've been shorted. Like someone's, oh, why didn't I get that? This is bullshit. He gets it and I don't. It's a, a fascinating part of humans and then humans as we get older and more sophisticated with language but still carry the same childish emotions we find reasons to be upset at someone for being successful we find reasons eat the rich you know we find, we find these weird little ways we can justify our jealousy or our anger or our disdain for those who are more successful than we so it's like a, we're coming up with complicated sophisticated ways to justify these primal behaviors that chimps exhibit in just violent rage so this guy it's a famous case. Like you can see the pictures if you want to see the pictures. Yeah, uh, of the cake guy? Of the guy who got his face ripped apart. Yeah. Fingers bitten off. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was in the hospital. That sounds great. Did, do you think <laughs> Folks at guy... home, folks at home, uh, prepare. Don't show it on the screen because it's rough. But Tony needs to see this. So Before you go give a tramp a cake. Yeah, I'm not doing that. This oh, is wow. No nose. See how he bit his nose off? God. Yeah. Look at his face. Oh, shit. Yeah. Look at his consciousness after this happened. Oh, yeah, of course. Look at his, his right hand. The fingers bitten off. Wow. That's what they do. They bite off your fingers. That's the chimp right there. Ch- click on the chimp in the right hand corner. That's his chimp. What's wow. that picture? Oh, what was that picture? I'm surprised he let him keep his ears. Oh, that's the guy's face, Jamie. That's what that is. He's got a trach because he can't breathe out of his mouth. Yeah. Well, I don't think, you know. Chimps exactly know the human anatomy all that well, but they know what's important to you. Your face, your fingers. Fuck it. Tore this guy apart. Uh, so he would have brought pieces of cake and given them to all the chimps in all the cages. They'd all be happy. Right. Yeah. But they're also angry that, he's, that they're captive. So when they get captive, look, being captive for a chimp is probably a similar feeling as to what it would be to be captive as a person. But right? if you see a chimp at the zoo and you're, um, you're in this big, they're in this big containment, they all these monkey bars and stuff to get hang on, but there's a bunch of people staring at them. Like all day long, people are staring at you through glass and there's a ceiling, like there's a net over the top so you can't go over the top and there's fences and you're just like, fuck, every day is boring. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Every day, there's no lions, there's no, no fruit to go pick, there's no places to go journey to, to explore. Like chimps travel around, man. They don't just sit in one particular 100 yard area for the rest of their life. And it's not even 100 yards, right? If you go to the LA Zoo, you ever see how small that enclosure is? Yeah. I went to the LA Zoo once. Really high, really high, like on an edible. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a, a piece on my website uh, called uh, the Animal Prison. And I was like, because it made me feel, because like uh, you know, you're really 
fucking super big, you're sensitive to everything. Yeah. But just, I, I recognize how, instead of thinking about myself, thinking about, you know, oh, I'm going to go to the zoo and see the monkeys. I went there and I immediately felt sadness. I was like, oh no, these poor creatures. Yeah. Like, they don't want to be here. Like, what are we doing? Like, we can't do this. I, I was thinking, like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's true. No, you're right. And it's very bizarre. Same thing with SeaWorld, same thing with all those places. Oh, uh, SeaWorld's worse. Yeah. Because they're as smart as us, if not smarter. Yeah. We don't, we don't even really know how smart workers are, right? Because, or dolphins. Because we, we put them in these weird categories. Like, how much emails do they send? Um, do they make houses? No, they must be stupid. But they have a cerebral cortex that's 40% larger than ours. We don't know how smart they are. They, they also, they communicate. They have a weird, sophisticated language that we can't decipher. We can't decipher it. We don't know what their language is. They've been able to recognize specific accents. So they know there's like, you know, like there's a Southern accent and a Cleveland accent. There's a Chicago accent. Orcas have accents. Like we can tell this by the sound, oh, this is an orca from Alaska or this is an orca from Seattle. Yeah. It's crazy. It's fucking nuts, man. You might put them in a swimming pool. A fucking swimming pool. So sad how their fin droops once oh. they get depressed. It's not that they get depressed. They don't use it. It atrophies. It's like an arm that you don't pick anything up with. It just gets limp. You ever break your arm? Um, no. When you break your arm, you put it in a cast. One of the weird things is you get your arm out of the cast. It's a little. It's like your arm atrophy. Mine's always like that. <laughs> I always look like I had a broken arm for three years. I did break my leg once. I was fucked up oh, no. for wrestling season. Got run over by a car. <gasps> yeah. What happened? My girlfriend at the time uh, dropped me off um, after school. <laughs> and uh, I was getting my backpack out of her trunk, but she forgot that I was behind her car getting a backpack out of her trunk. So <gasps> she started backing off. Your girlfriend backed over you on purpose, and now you're justifying yeah. it. And I almost made it out of the way. It was the last second. I, I just and then she spit it out of the way. Right? Yeah. And turned the wheel. Yep. Cracked my leg into two pieces. A month before my senior year of wrestling started. Big oh, What's up, Jamie? Sorry to turn this back to the chimpanzee story, but oh, no. it got, it's a little bit crazier than you probably like. You probably stopped looking into this. Okay, so there's a guy, he won a lawsuit against West Covina to keep the chimp in the 60s because the judge said the chimp, quote, doesn't have the traits of a wild animal and was somewhat better behaved than some people. It, but it like, so there was some, I was reading more about the story. It ate his test, excuse me, according to the reports, it ate his testicles also. And there's some report that it ate part of his brain. Like they cracked open his skull and got a piece of his brain. This chimp was later put into uh, another holding place, escaped again in like 2005 or eight or something. This happened, the original story happened, I don't know, 2002 maybe. The people who originally owned the chimp like rented a helicopter to go find it. Oh there was God. more lawsuits. But that, but you say that the, he ate his brain. It wasn't that chimp that ate his brain? It wasn't his? I don't chimp. believe so. But this chimp got involved with like it says that it's his chimp that I got think, involved. That it, like there was a police officer that got into like when, when it got out one time, it, like got into an altercation with the cops. Cops, there's like eighty percent of cops they suck at fighting drunks. Yeah, <laughs> imagine fighting a chimp. Like how many videos have you seen of cops trying to pull a guy over and the guy winds up kicking their ass? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So happens a lot. Man has required two hundred fifty thousand dollars in medical treatment for the policeman. Oh, Lord Allred was defending the chimp in court. <laughs> <Wow>. Yeah, like <laughs> I swear to God, like it gets like insane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! The two chimps that bought it the first time didn't have good enough lawyers. This is what it's like a lawyer website. Get the fuck out of that yeah. is so crazy. The chimps have lawyers. How does a chimp have a lawyer? Dogs, dogs don't get lawyers, right? So if a dog bites you, they just put the dog down. But yeah. if a chimp bites you, like, hold on, this chimp sounds so good, he almost represented himself in court. <laughs> this guy <laughs> escaping from prison, eating brains. Tired of bullshit. I don't think it's the same chimp that ate the brains. I think it's the chimp that attacked the guy and tore his dick off that ate his brains. Um, they do take, take your testicles off. They seem to know that that's where your, your, your cum is stored. No good. That's not good. <laughs> that's not cool. That is not cool. It's so crazy. Well, you know one, the one about the lady in Connecticut, right? Mm. No? no. Oh, this one's even freakier. This lady had a giant chimp, like a 200 pounder, and it lived with her and slept in her bed. Oh, wow. And uh, she gave it Xanax and red wine. And uh, one day, this lady, her friend came over, cock blocking, oh, and this chimp didn't like it, so he tore her apart. He tore a lady apart. Same, same way that tore that man apart. Tore this lady apart. Tore her face apart. Horrible story. Terrifying story. This lady thought this chimp was like a pet, and then she realized like this chimp has no idea what the rules are, and you can't tell what to do because it was tired of this lady coming around. And it wasn't the lady that was giving no. red wine. And- no, it was another lady telling her to not give him red wine and not give him Xanax. And he's like, this bitch is cock blocking. You think the chimp looked for testicles and was like, what the fuck? No, he probably knew it was a female. But um, I don't even know. I'm joking around about the cock part, but uh, he, whatever reason, didn't like that lady and just decided to tear her apart. You just can't keep them as pets. They're, uh, they're too, it's so strange. They're animals for sure. Have you they're also about, so close to humans. Have you thought about getting any wild animals? Wild in Texas? Now that you're in Texas? Funny you say that. I have a couple giraffes on order. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have giraffes. As, I've had a bit in my act about uh, giraffes, you know, about the only animals in the zoo that don't seem bummed out at all are giraffes. Because they're just like another day with no lions. And yeah. they stroll around. They're so happy. They're so calm at the zoo that they let babies feed them. Like when my daughter was two, we brought her to the zoo. She holds out a piece of lettuce and the giraffe come over. It's a giraffe. They didn't train it. And his tongue reaches out and grabs a hold of the, lezard, the, the lettuce. It's really kind of cool the way they do it. Yeah. But, but that's uh, the only animal that I would keep as a pet because they don't seem to care. They seem to like it. Like they're stress free. They just chill. I held a koala when in Australia this last time. So I went the whole Tony crew, so like, I'm like, okay, I'll do the touristy stuff that I've never done there in the seven or eight or whatever times I've been there. And we went and held koalas and they feed them eucalyptus the whole time. That's all they eat. And the reason why they keep feeding them eucalyptus is because the second you stop giving them eucalyptus, like truly within three seconds of them not having the next leaf, they turn more into a bear. Like it's like they start acting. Instead of being this mellow little bundle of joy, you feel their claws tighten up and they get, you just, you feel it. It's a fucking bear. They're all, they're like cute and, and slow and dumb. And then as soon as they, it's a straight up drug, like it's an IV drip of just heroin to them. And if they come off, it just. Is there another animal like that that only eats one plant? I don't know. It's a good question, right? I mean, cows eat grass, sheep eat grass. But they just eat eucalyptus. Yeah. Like one weird plant. They smell like a straw. Oh, oh yeah. I wonder what it tastes like. 
That's a good question. Let's do it. Did you ever cunt with you? Would you cook one? Yeah. Well, you felt like a little Russian from him, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, fucking leaves. Yeah. Where's my fucking leaves? <laughs> like a fake baby. Yeah. It was a real time. Did you, you remember that story about a girl that this, this couple adopted and they thought they were adopting like a ten year old and it turned out to be a tiny person and a tiny person who's completely insane and was pretending to be a little kid? <laughs> oh. Do you know that story? Scary. No. Story? It's a terrifying story because this couple had this like little tiny person that, in their house that was like Chucky. They wanted to kill them. And like and then they realized like oh this lady's thirty right here Ukrainian orphan the center of an adoption scandal might be an adult. Here are eight adults <laughs> who are caught posing as children. That's happened many times. Fuck. Yeah. So look at that. Imagine that's a thirty year old playing with your baby and you're like oh we're gonna help her she's gonna have a better life meanwhile she's doing heroin when you're not around. Yeah. That might be the These are the different stories. These are the different stories. Okay, click, click on that one. Parent. Oh, come on, you fucking pop up. Oh, you son of a bitch. Looks like you're using an ad blocker. We're here to cock block your ad blocker. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Why don't you just shut off the ad blocker? I don't mind All right. Parents were accused. Parents were accused of abandoning an eight-year-old Ukrainian girl. Say they adopted. Oh, they adopted. Say she was actually a twenty-two-year-old mentally disturbed adult. Look at the parents. It's a movie. It's a Coen Brothers movie, right? Yeah. Like those two winding up in jail. Well, it all started when we tried to do a good thing and adopt a baby. Yep. You know, Daryl's balls didn't work, so we decided. Fuck. Crazy. That's right? frightening. Hold on, second. Scroll back up again. We just, yeah. Christine Barnett says Natalia terrorized her family. Interview, interview with the Daily Mail, trusted source. Christine Barnett said that the adoption was a scam. The girl was not who they thought she was. Christine Barnett said that she and her now ex-husband, oh, they got divorced over this, agreed to an emergency adoption in Florida in 2010. She said she didn't know many details about Natalia's background, but were told her previous adopted parents gave her up for undisclosed reasons, like maybe because she's 20. Christine Barnett said that Natalia terrorized her family, tried to stab them when they were sleeping, and once tried to push her towards an electric fence and poured bleach in her coffee. Oh, they get rid of the coronavirus. The media is <laughs> painting me to be a child abuser, but there's no child here. She said Natalia was a woman. She had periods. Whoa. She had adult teeth. She never grew a single inch. <laughs> <laughs> Which would, be, would happen even with a child with dwarfism. The doctors all confirmed she was suffering from a severe psychological illness only diagnosed in adults. That's scary. Natalia has a type of dwarfism called, whoa, how about this word? Help me out. Spondyloepiphyseal. How do you say that? Spondylopiphyseal. <laughs> okay. Dysplasia, which makes her age difficult to actually record without a birth certificate. Wow. Though she was said to be six when the Barnett's adopted her in 2010, NBC News said it saw hospital records showing her age as about eight in June of 2010. Oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Citing court documents, WISHTV in Indianapolis CW affiliate reported that the girl's age was changed from 8 to 22 in 2012. Instead, a skeletal survey at the Peyton Manning, Holla Peyton Manning, has his own children's hospital. Peyton Manning Children's Hospital deemed her to be 11 at the time. Wow, she was 22 with a 22 year old skeleton when she was 11. Wow. Well, she made a career perpetuating her age facade. Scroll back up. It's weird that they did the test at a children's hospital. Wow. Natalia was an adult. The document has been verified, but says that she made a career of perpetuating. It's a weird word. How often do you say that? Perpetuating. Her age was. I don't say that very often. I read it a lot. Uh, Continue to fool those who have the best intentions. That's crazy. Where is she now? I mean, being a kid is pretty awesome. You don't have to work. You get free food. You're chilling. You stab people while you're sleeping. Yeah. They think you're a little kid. You're it's freaky. Think, yeah. Imagine oh, you adopt an eight-year-old and you keep like, all right, let's check your height. And you do a little pencil mark on the door. You couldn't even make that movie because people say that you were being an ableist. You can make that movie about 10 years ago. But if you try to make that movie today, people call you a piece of shit. Like the studios wouldn't fund it. They'd be scared of the backlash. It's so sad. What's going on with movies? I saw some stat the other day about how they're doing remakes and like yeah. there's no original. They take stuff out of movies. I saw um, Poltergeist the other day. Hey, I almost went to the drive-in last week and saw that. That was playing at a local uh, drive-in. I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah. I, I didn't remember so much of it. It's probably been 20 plus years since I saw it. But one thing I recognized myself was like, the times were so different when that movie came out. I want to say that movie's it's like it's eight. Wait, it was like eighty four or some shit. Like, when do you think that came out? <clears throat> I guess eighty two. Yeah, you forgot the rest of the story. She got adopted again and went on and did more interviews and said that like she was sixteen, not thirty three. The girl on the thing. Uh-huh. See picture of her on the thing. Oh, that's her, oh my god. Oh my god. She looks like she's forty. That's her. Yeah. That's a little girl. Yeah. She totally looks like an adult. Natalia Grace Barnett. I'm sixteen, not thirty three year old scam artist. Oh, she's old. Look at her face. That's not true. Look at her face. Go back up to that face. That is not a sixteen year old's face. Mm-hmm. That's a woman's face. Yeah. That's crazy. But look how small her hands are in relation to the rest of her face too. If I adopted an eight year old and that's what showed up at my door, I'd immediate immediate return. But I think when she was twenty, she pulled it off. Like you saw that other picture of her. The other picture of her, she looked young. Yeah, she looked like a little kid. But she didn't look like a little you know from twenty to thirty three. She does not look the same. That's crazy. Um, I we like even watched it or something and like we heard her talk. Or did we? I don't. I remember it was all like flashing back. Dude, I have. There's. I was uh, on my YouTube feed watching Filipino pool the other day, and an old interview came up with us with someone I didn't even remember was a guest. But if you had said this guy had been a guest, I'm like no, never heard of him. You know, I sat down with the guy for three hours doing a podcast. <laughs> like my memory's turned to dog shit. It's like there's too many too many people in there. There's too many. It's like overwhelmed. I have no room. I have no uh, hard drive space. Yeah, you gotta get rid of old and new. It's like when you find an old joke that ever happened to you. Oh, yeah. It's the best feeling. Crazy. It's like I wrote this in 1998. Yeah. Look at that. Like, I'm in there. Like I was telling you, uh, Ron White's doing a guest spot on the show I'm doing tonight here in Austin, and uh, he's going back looking over his stuff. And uh, today he was, I was hanging with him, and uh, at one point he goes, You know what? This shit's pretty goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ron. Yeah. What were we talking about? I talked. Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Oh, here's what. 
the movie, yeah. I think, is what, what year is it? 83? 82. 82. Okay. So the movie is in the early 80s, and uh, apparently it was okay to be a piece of shit back then. It was like super normal. Because like there's a scene where the 16 year old daughter goes outside and there's people doing construction in their backyard. And I mean, like the window's right there, the parents are right there, and these construction workers are like, yay, look at you. And the guy's got like a, like a tube, and he's looking at her through a, t- like a, toilet, like a paper towel tube. He's looking at her like, yeah, I love you. I love you. She's like, fuck you. And the wife, the mom is laughing. Their daughter almost got raped. It, it, it's the craziest scene. Like, look at this. Look at him. He's looking at her like, yeah, look at you. I love you. Yeah, and look at this. What? She's like, fuck you. She gave him the this fuck you. This is like the, it's a soft finger. Yeah. It's a lot more motion. Like you have to use your arms. But the wife, oh, yeah. the mom, watch the mom react to it. But she's like, yeah. And they're laughing. The, watch when they go to the mom though. The mom's inside they did give the finger. The mom's like, oh, boys will be boys. How they're raping. <laughs> like if that was today, if you put that in a movie and try to pass it off like it was normal behavior, people would fucking freak out at you. And at minimum, you'd have to kill off those guys. What's even more interesting is that's not just, that's not establishing them as bad guys that get killed later on, right? right. Those guys yeah. survive. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's even crazier. At least if you did it, you'd have to fit in the storyline. Like, oh, these guys are going to be the first to get killed because they're bad people. Instead, they, the whole family has to deal with hell after that. And those guys are going on about their day. They got paid for the construction they did. Well, later on in the movie, the guy steals coffee. That guy, yeah, 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 yeah. steals food. He reaches in, he grabs it, like she's cooking spaghetti, so he dips a spoon in the sauce, tastes the sauce, reaches in through the window. And she's like, how is it? Earl's like, well, it's very good. Like, <laughs> like, like, no, people were pieces of shit back then. It was standard. It was like cute to watch. Like, instead of getting outraged as an audience member, which would you most certainly would today. That's one of those freaky movies. You, you, you learned about the history of that, right? Like, what, the daughter? The little girl, rather? The little girl. Yeah. There's like a lot of things that happen on that. It's like a super cursed movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, man, I wish I could remember all of them. But I remember her things very controversial. Like, she was, should have been taken to a hospital much sooner than she was. Like, it was like, it's a, it was a sloppy, sloppy ending. So I can't parents, remember all the things. I get it confused with the Twilight Zone movie quite a bit, too. Four cast members. Di- there it is. Fucking pop up. Shut up, you're fucking. That was for email. Four cast members died during and soon after the filming of the series. Mm-hmm. The series. So there was more than. How many of them were there? Um, there was, I think, at least three. Caroline Freeling. I like number two. Number two, I think, was at the hotel, right? That crazy hotel. Well, Caroline's a little girl. Yeah. So go, go back up to, to the top. Caroline Freeling was the young point of the series, played by Heather O'Rourke. Only six years old when the first Poltergeist film was released, O'Rourke captivated audience. She was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. The following year, O'Rourke fell ill again, and their symptoms were casually attributed to the flu. A day later, she collapsed and suffered cardiac arrest. After being airlifted to a children's hospital in San Diego, O'Rourke died during the operation to correct a bowel obstruction. It was later believed that she had been suffering from a congenital intestinal abnormality. Oh, so she had, um. Yeah, basically, she was bleeding. But that was something she was born with. On the inside. Um, so here's another one. Dominic Dune, who played the original older sister. Oh, that was the girl who gave up the finger. Yeah. Equally tragic, unforeseen fate. 82. Uh, Dune separated from her partner, John Sweeney. November of that year, he showed up at Dune's house pleading for her to take him back when she refused. Sweeney grabbed Dune's neck and choked her until she was unconscious and left her to die. Fuck. He was sentenced to six and a half years in prison, but was released after three years and seven months. Jeez. Oh my God, if that was my daughter. My God, Can you imagine? Your daughter, like three years is not that long. Okay, here we are in 2023 years ago, 2016 and a half, or not even because we're halfway in, right? More than halfway in. We're towards the end. Summer, summer of 2017. What? And all of a sudden this guy's out and choked your daughter to death? I know chimps have been in prison more than that guy. Should be. They should put him with a chimp. That's what they should do. Ah. Yeah, you choke a woman to death, they put you in with a chimp, and they make you feed the other chimp the birthday cake. It's also interesting how they wrote that. Choked her until she was unconscious and then left, left her, her to death. die. No, you mean killed her? Right. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Choked her to death. Yeah, choked her to death. Whoever wrote that. Yeah, that's the guy that wrote it. <laughs> anyway, I left her to die accidentally. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, maybe he's just really into choking. Have you ever been with a girl that, that wants to choke? Yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah, I'm not into it. Not into it. Yeah. I don't want to let that fucking genie out of the bottle. Mm-mm. Last thing you want to do is be really into choking. Right. You know? No. It's like being really into feet. Yeah, weird. But way worse because it could lead to death. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, if you're really into feet and then you did a normal girl and you're like, oh, you know, I'd like to, uh, you know, with your feet. She's like, what? Like, for a lot of gals, that would be like a deal breaker. Look for a husband, look for a man to take care of your children, look for a person to be responsible. You don't want a guy who wants to beat off on your feet, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. for a guy who's really into feet and then he breaks up with this woman and tries to get a new one, it's like, mm, feet thing's kind of important. <laughs> But that's, but at least that's not dangerous. It's just creepy. Yeah. But for someone who's into choking people, you got to be real careful to test those waters. Yeah. You know, if you were with a girl and that's like you had a crazy relationship for ten years, or you just fucking choke each other. You know, like, damn, that's what I miss. I miss choking and fucking. Holding's fun. Grabbing's fun. Grabbing by the throat's fun. Applying <laughs> pressure isn't fun. It's not fun. Grabbing's you ever, fun. You ever been with a girl that and you're hooking up and she says hit me? No. Really? No, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. And I go, it stopped everything. Go, Whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean? Then she goes slap me. And I'm like, okay, that's different. Woo. That's different than hit. Yeah. Because hit. And slap are two very different things. Yeah, but they're still hitting. Right, but slapping's if you, if, weird. If you slap a woman, she calls the cops. The cops say you hit her, it's assault. Stop and slap. I think that's, they do that in a fight. <laughs> um, spitting in someone's face is assault. 
there's a there's this crazy video of this woman screaming in this cop's face in New York. She's like, you fucking fascist. And he's just standing there taking it and she spits in his face. And he's like, oh, okay, time to rest you. And he grabs her and she screams, what are you doing? Like spitting is assault. If you're gonna spit in someone's face, you might as well kick him in the balls. Absolutely. That is the we are fighting. Yeah, that's a fight. Yeah. You spit in someone's face. It's straight punches. punches. Yeah. You might as well have just gotten a sucker punch. In. Yeah. Should have just gone the punch. That's the, that's the, it's assault. Is there anything worse than that? Is there anything worse than spitting in another human's face? Well, the only difference is you spit someone, you know you're not gonna kill them. But if you hit someone, you really could kill them. If you hit someone, you knock them out and fall, hit their head on concrete, they could die. That really can happen. So there's a di- I don't think it's the same assault. It's just it's fucking gross. It's mean. It's definitely like you're basically as close to starting a fight as you can without hitting a person. But if you're gonna have a scale of like murder down to spitting in the face, like there's, there's a difference in what you're doing. You know, you're certainly provoking someone to extreme violence. If you spit in someone's face, you don't even a lot of options, especially if they have a, a temper. Like most people you spit in their face, they're gonna throw. Yeah. But if you hit someone and they fall and they die, it's not the same thing as spitting in someone's face. Believe me, you're gonna go to jail for a long time. Unless you get the judge that gave the guy three years for choking a girl to death. Yeah. In 1982. But it's like, I'm telling you, the world was a different place back then. Like, women are right. How, how about that? Like, I know a lot of these feminists went crazy, and some of them went way over the edge to the point where they actually don't like men, but they're right. If you watch, watch movies like that, yeah. and you see a woman who got choked to death, and the guy only got three years, and she was a movie star. Right. She was in Poltergeist, and she got choked to death, and the guy still only got three and a half years. Crazy. Dude, being a woman for most of history must have been fucking terrifying. For most of history. Still no. terrifying. But for most of history, like, you, you hook up with a guy, you gotta really worry about this guy killing you. Mm-hmm. It's probably not gonna happen one out of a hundred times. But one out of a hundred is like. Yeah, like, who's that chick that died while hanging out with Christopher Walken and whoever? Huh? Yeah, the girl that was uh, murdered. Um, I can't have any drink. Is that, is that a name? How can you have had any drink? It's like pure diesel fuel. Texas whiskey. Is that what this says? Cheers. I don't know. I need California pussy <clears throat> whiskey. Well, there's a bunch of those stories. Like uh, uh, Natalie Wood. Is that it? That's the one, right? She's drowning on a boat. Christopher Walken is there. Robert Wagner, I think, was uh, the one who people were uh, pointing the finger at. But Christopher Walken, I think, was like hanging out. They're like on the boat or something. I was there. <laughs> not paying attention. It seems weird. That Here I am on a boat. It seems like he would be. A... Yeah, Natalie Wood's death. Christopher Walken breaks his silence. Oh, they were arguing. It's true. I watched um, him the other day. You know, just I just watched the preview of. Um, that movie where you can see the future and hold people's hands. What's it called? Dead Zone? Is that what it is? I don't know. Stephen King book? I think it's a Dead Zone. Yeah. That was wild. He was so young, baby faced. And there was a guy in it who was uh, played by Michael Sheen, who was uh, going to be the president, a crazy egomaniac president, and he wanted to uh, detonate nukes, wanted to start a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken could see the future. There he is. He died and came back to life. When he came back to life, he could see the future when you touch your hand, like you hold your hand, Dang. and he could see what's going to happen to you. What a badass. Look at young Christopher Walken. Look at that fucking guy. Oh, he's great. Wow. He's, uh, he's been great forever. Him and Harvey Keitel, they don't get enough, yeah. enough love. <clears throat> Christopher Walken's been in so many great movies, man. What's that vampire movie? Scroll down. What's that? Nice, what's that? What the fuck is that movie? Seven Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Oh wow, no shit. I don't remember that at all. There's too many movies. Tim Burton. Uh, just watched uh, Beetlejuice for the first time in a while. Oh, it's a classic. God, it's so good. My family and I we watch Nightmare Before Halloween or Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Yeah. Watch it every year. It's great. It's fucking fantastic. And it's incredible. While watching Beetlejuice, I was thinking about what we were talking about earlier about how what executive would make that today, not knowing that oh, it's a hit. No. You know? Like just like okay, so there, there's this couple that dies, and they're like okay, well at least they're not a likable couple, right? No, super super likable couple. They die within the first five minutes of the film, yeah. and then. They go back to their There's a couple of ones that the people want to buy the house after they die. They take over the house. It's basically a creepy movie about real estate and them not listening to the leader of purgatory that tells them to do anything but say Beetlejuice three times, but they do. The exec would be like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. <laughs> Beetlejuice? Okay, pal. Great. Yeah, we'll let you know. You know what I watched again uh, recently? Coraline. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. I think that's Tim Burton as well. 99% sure. It's amazing. It's really good. It's really creepy, animated. Like, so, no? It's not? Who is it? It's not Tim Burton? Henry Silva. Tim Burton's not involved at all? I'll double check to make sure you didn't produce or something. Watch Jeff Snopes. You know what else I watched the other day? <laughs> Dare you. We've been going back and forth about Snopes. What's Snopes? What exactly. Doing? Watch Kingpin the other day. Oh, that's a great movie. Unbelievable. Oh, fairly be- probably their most underrated movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's so good. And what I realized watching it this time <laughs> is that Bill Murray plays the bad guy. Oh, yeah. And With his crazy hair. Yeah. The and circular he, hair. And he's a hilarious bad guy. And Woody Harrelson plays the good guy. And Woody Harrelson, a great dramatic actor. And Bill Murray's the silliest guy of all time. Yeah. And it just works perfectly. It's, it's an amazing movie. And it's an amazing movie about bowling. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, Bill Murray's. He's crazy as a bad guy. He was a bad guy in Groundhog Day. Yeah. He's a bad guy that became a good guy by the end of the movie. He's a great golfer. Bill Murray's here next to Donald Trump's here. <laughs> <laughs> Who wear better? <laughs> 
You should see Bill Murray uh, on the golf course. He's so funny, man. He does. He's really silly out there. Like he, I saw a video of him. Uh, uh, he called over the guy with a microphone. You know how you hear golf shots when they happen? Mm-hmm. The guy that holds like that thing. And he called him over. He said, come over here, get closer. I want you to hear this fucking bomb I'm about to hit or something like that. And the guy gets closer and he sets up again. He goes, closer. And he goes, closer. And the guy gets right up on it. And he does this big backswing. He slams the hell out of this ball, man. And it sounds, it sounded like fucking heaven when he hit it. Because the guy's right on. He had him right next to it. He can play. Oh, I heard, I heard he's like a pro. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you see it anywhere? Tim Burton? Coraline? Yeah, nothing? Nope. came up that people were asking about like he didn't direct or produce it. Like, wow. It came out the same time or similar time as the other thing. It looks like one of his movies. That's crazy. I assumed he did it. Because it's so uh, Tim Burton-like. You know, it's, but it's probably someone who's a fan. Does like similar, weird, absurd, strange. I think, he worked, I think that guy worked with Tim Burton. His article says he stepped out of the shadow to make Coraline. Oh, there it is. So maybe he's a project. Oh, okay. Interesting. Burton didn't produce or direct it. Interesting. Just like Nightmare Book. Just like Nightmare Book. Oh, okay, cool. Well, he nailed it. Whoever that gentleman is. It's really good. It's just a, a strange movie about these people that move into this house. And it's all animated. And this little girl finds this door that's been sealed off, like this little tiny, like, you know, two foot door. What the fuck is this? But it's been covered in wallpaper, and she finds a key for it, and she opens it up, and it has a tunnel. She goes through it and finds a version of her family that's way nicer than her family, but they have buttons for eyes. Like the mom is like doting. Like her parents are writers, and all they're doing is like, we have to work. Get out of here. I'm trying to work. And they're like, they're not into hanging out with kids. She's bored. It's rainy and shitty. And then she goes through this weird tunnel, and all the people over there are the mirrors of her parents, but much nicer. All they're into is her. They care about her and her wishes, and they give her the most delicious food, and they're with her all the time. But they want her to have button eyes. They want her to stay there forever. And eventually, she realizes like something's really fucking wrong here, and she's going back and forth between the two worlds. It's really cool. So whenever you have kids, Tony, whenever you shoot a live one, mm-hmm. the old lady, yeah. and you, know, you make a little baby kid, little baby Tony, little baby kid, make him watch Coraline. Okay. So it could be worse, you little fuck. Look, so, so this lady wants to sew buttons in your eyeballs. Sounds scary. It's a, it's a cool movie. Yeah. And they, they get creepier and creepier as the movie goes on. The parents get progressively weirder and creepier. Like they, it's a nice slow burn. Like they start off real sweet. Spoiler alert. And they keep getting weirder and weirder. Edward Scissorhands turns into a Christmas movie at the end. Does it? Yeah. I don't think I ever watched that. It's a good one. Oh, sure. That's a fun one to watch. How many movies is Johnny Depp in? A Jesus lot. Christ. They booted him out of this new movie because he lost a lawsuit. See that? Yeah. Crazy. Did you see the, hear the recordings where she's admitting to hitting him? She's admitting to punching him? Yeah. I guess the judge is insane on this case. Well, it was a, it was a civil suit, right? Where he was suing a tabloid for um, describing him in a inaccurate manner or describing his life and he lost that suit because he lost that suit what if it's like just the optics of him losing that suit so the, the studio has to step in and, and get rid of him right is that what it is i think so that's just what they do nowadays they're like okay you're not working not working i think they still have to pay him though i think that's also part of the thing he still gets an eight-figure paycheck <laughs> yeah and he gets to stay home beautiful yeah doesn't have to do the press releases doesn't have to walk the red carpet he gets to just be johnny depp wouldn't there. it be nice if it's just the the, the the he doesn't do the movie but that money just pays her off like, get out yeah stop Leave me alone. i don't think she gets any money anymore i think he's suing her now mm-hmm. i think that's what's happening you know he's a badass jeff bezos Got a divorce, made his ex immediately the richest woman of all time. You know, immediately she became that. $36 billion, the richest woman of all time, won it all in a divorce. And then, right after that, which was 2019, he goes and he doubles or triples his overall wealth. So he got out right before making her twice over the richest woman of all time. So she got $36 billion or whatever instead of 72 which she would have gotten a year later once the pandemic hit. That probably pisses some women off. That the way the richest women get to be the richest women is through divorce? Yep. It's probably a lot of women right now that just don't even want to fucking hear that yep. shit. Like, don't, can you just not mention that? Just stop it. Richest woman of all time. We're trying to be over here checking her ass. Yep. She did it by getting cheated on. Um, did she? I think they already broken up. You want to see her? No, you do. She's number 22 on the list overall as of September. Yeah, yeah, shut Of richest people. Shut right, she's the richest woman. 22 for women? Of all people. Right, of all people. Yeah. She's the richest woman, though. Yeah, but she's the richest woman in stock. Why are you splitting hairs, Jamie? Oh, I'm not, no, I'm just saying she's like, got some of that money, too. Like, she's she's fine. Did you read that She got fucked. <laughs> she did not get fucked. Oh, no, she made, she made like 35 billion, right? Didn't she? Yeah, yeah, but I was saying, like, the point was that she, he got her out before the whole stock went up. Like, she just went up with the stock also. He knew what was coming. He probably did. Probably did. Oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. 35? 35 billion? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 The yeah. giving pledge, what that's called. What is the charitable giving campaign in which she willingly committed to give away almost her most of her wealth to charity over her lifetime or in her will? It says. Can you take that back? It's a non legally non binding. Good. Change mind. So. That makes sense. <laughs> when you get older, stop having periods. Start getting mean. Yeah. Develop some testosterone. That's one of the things that uh, see old ladies with mustaches. Yeah. They get testosterone. Really? Yeah. The body's not producing as much estrogen. Get a little more rugged, especially if you have a fan for yourself. That's the amount of testosterone that I have naturally. <laughs> I have the testosterone of an old lady. Old angry lady yeah. with no periods. Yeah. Same mustache. <laughs> By the way, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if that's true. But there is, 
I do know that women who fend for themselves and who run businesses and women who are like uh, entrepreneurs and go-getters, they do uh, statistically have higher levels of testosterone. And they think there's a correlation between not just their actions, but th when they're forced into the role of the breadwinner and forced into this role, of, they actually develop, naturally develop more testosterone than they would if they were in like a situation where they were married to Jeff Bezos and they just chill. Right. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. People are adaptable. Yeah. And yeah. like testosterone, I mean, of course, they have to. Who's going to have that type of go-getter, go-getter energy yeah. uh, without it? Like that chick from, um, oh man. Oh, the the um, one that made, tried to make the machine where it tests your blood. Oh, I was gonna bring her up, Elizabeth Thanos. Yeah, yeah. You know that's a fake voice. The deep voice you heard. So she faked, scary. She faked the voice. I want to hear a real voice. People caught her talking on the phone, and they're like, "Well, who's in your room?" And they walked in there and saw her, and she like, saw, "Hey, let me call you back." <laughs> she pretended to be like a female Steve Jobs. She's like, "I know what to do. I'll just act like a man. I'll put on black turtlenecks." And everybody celebrated her. Yep. Everybody's like, "You're amazing. You're amazing." They wanted a woman to be an entrepreneur so bad. She was the richest self-made woman ever. I think at one point in time she was worth more than nine billion dollars. Nothing too. It was all a lie. Yeah, it was certainly a lot of lies. I don't know if it was all a lie. I don't think it worked. I think they really exaggerated what it could do. And uh, they sold it. To, like, I think they sold it to Walgreens. And the thing is, it's not just as simple as they lied. It's also that people got medical screenings with that device that weren't accurate. So like, maybe you don't feel good. Maybe you have a history of cancer in your family. And you're like, oh, my God, I think I might have something. And then you go to wherever. And you get that Theranos blood screening. And they go, no, Mike, you're fine. And you're like, whew, back to boozing. Oh <laughs> Meanwhile, Mike's got colon cancer. Or Mike's got a tumor in his liver. Or Mike's got, and you, you never find out because this blood scanner thing is horseshit. How long did they put her away for? They haven't put her away. She hasn't lost in court yet. Um, the, I believe the company went bankrupt. And then um, they, they owe so much money. Like, I think Betsy DeVos. I think she's into them for some astounding amount of money. I think she, uh, she went in for, I want to say it's more than $50 million. And a lot of other like, really high-profile people got sucked into the narrative. Right? The narrative was, here's this genius woman right. who's really like the female Steve Jobs, and she even dressed like Steve Jobs. And it sounded great. I, I remember hearing the story, like, wow, this chick's badass. I remember thinking, like, oh, that's cool. I can get a blood test just by a finger prick? Way better. Because I get blood tests all the time. I always want to find out where my body is. Because I take so many vitamins and nutrients and testosterone replacement and all this shit and NAD. I want to find out how healthy I am. Ronos, Holmes may pursue mental disease in her defense. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, they, um, she might say she's mentally ill, uh, which is why she lied a lot. But um, there's a really great uh, podcast series about her, um, The Dropout. It's called The Dropout. It's excellent. I think it might be Wondery. Find out if it's Wondery. Find out who makes it. But it's, it's a TV show. Yeah, but it's, the podcast series is amazing. Um, when I was living in California, I listened to it like back to back to back until it was over. Like every week, when the new episode would come out, I get pumped. ABC like, Audio. Says. ABC Audio. Whoever made it, thumbs up. You guys killed it because it was so compelling. Like you find a story. This guy named Sunny, who was her boyfriend, who drove a Lamborghini. He's like a real flashy guy. And the two of them put the scam together. But he claimed to not know what she was doing. And you watched the whole thing on HBO, right? I didn't know. Oh man, yeah, I know all about Sunny. You gotta watch it, man. They go to work together. They they, they, they didn't together. knew they were banging. Right. Yeah, they were hiding it, which is kind of hot. Yeah, totally. Pretending. Oh yeah, I'm so tired of Sunny shit. Think about firing him. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I think Elizabeth's lost her mind. <laughs> Every day. Send it in. Rolling into work together, <laughs> hooking up at night, yeah. borrowing a bunch of money for a product that was never going to work. Every Do you think they were doing coke or something? Because I think Maybe. when you see decisions like that, that you know, like, there's no way it's going to work. What's happening here? I usually think someone's on some sort of speed. Yeah. Amphetamines, coke, something. Something crazy. Very easily could have been. Yeah. So you know all about this and you never watched the HBO no. documentary series? No. Oh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. No, I'm sure it's good. I, I got the whole story from the uh, ABC um, uh, podcast series. See, it's pretty crazy because oh, sure. the machine is like, it was just, it was never going to work. And every scientist is showing you it was never going to work. And it shows you the needles and the glass vials just breaking. It was just a pool, pools of blood in these dirty plastic machines that they had, I mean, they had to get these orders out to Walgreens. And as you probably know, they were training people at Walgreens with, that had no, cashiers that had no experience of the such, how to, because they ended up having to draw the blood of these people because like, they just kept lying to people. They're like, oh, this thing isn't working today. You got to pass for the, the Thanos. What was it again? Thanos? Theranos. Theranos. But unfortunately today it's down. So we're just going to take your blood with a syringe. And they had to train these Walgreens employees. <gasps> yes. to, to, to tap in the veins? Yes. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And that's how they kept the con going on for even longer. Because <sighs> once Walgreens was behind it, they paid the money. They're like, oh, that's at least. There's something fascinating about cons. Yeah. Something fascinating. Super fascinating. You know, like uh, I went to a boxing gym once in North Hollywood and the boxing coach, never forget this. He's like, uh, you should invest in this thing I'm doing. I'm like, what is it? It's a pyramid scheme. He starts describing it to me. He's like, well, you buy in, and then uh, when you get other people to join up, then you cash out. I go, I go, you just, you're, you're talking about a pyramid scheme. Like, he didn't know what a pyramid scheme is. Mm -hmm. He's like, dude, I've been making some money off of this. I go, do you know what a pyramid scheme is? He goes, no. I go, what you described is a pyramid scheme. There's no Google back then. And I was like, God damn it. And I'm like, I gotta stop coming here. Like, because the guy wouldn't stop talking to me about this. He, really, I'm telling you, you should invest in this. This is a great deal. I'm getting money back. I'm putting money in. You get a bunch of people to join in. I go, where's the money going? Well, they're investing. And what? And what? <laughs> it was like, he, was he didn't understand. 
Like it's like the biggest pyramid scheme ever, the biggest Ponzi scheme is Bernie Madoff, mm-hmm. who's super, super, super sophisticated. He got Steven Spielberg. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. He got some sophisticated people. The guy who made Poltergeist also got taken. See, see, find out all the people that got like famous people that got taken by Bernie Madoff. It's a big list. Yeah, because he was he was bringing back real returns, like real returns. Like you get you know a certain percentage every year. Like he was just nailing it. And, and there's a lot of financial people that are like, what is this? What are you doing? Like what this is, this doesn't add up. What's happening here? What are the odds that his fucking last name was Madoff? <laughs> is that the weirdest? <laughs> it's like OJ's last name being cold blooded murder. <laughs> it's insane. He made off with a bunch of money. Or what? uh or uh, Wiener. Right, right. That's another perfect one. Yeah, always shows dick. Yeah, this guy's. Is this is Andrew Weiner? Is that what his, what his Anthony? name? Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Where's he? He's out of jail, right? He should be doing stand-up. That's a good idea. That guy's a comic. Steven Spielberg, the director's charity, the Wonderkinder Foundation, lost an undisclosed amount in November 2006. It had assets of 12.6 million, 70 percent of his interest, in, and dividend income reportedly came from Madoff. Wow. Kevin Bacon, they got taken, and, and Kira Sedgwick, she got taken. Norman Brandman, whoever that is. Uh, Ira Rennert, look at him. He should be taken. Wow. I don't trust your tie. I don't like the color of your shirt. Fuck out of here. Zsa Zsa Gabor. God damn, they cooked Zsa Zsa, you piece of shit. She suffered a ten million dollar loss. Oh no, she's from Green Acres, oh, bro. My goodness, they got the Holocaust survivor too. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. Wow. Wow. Who else? Malkovich. Oh my God, Malkovich! You yeah. son of a bitch! They should kill him for that. It says most of them have recovered. Oh shut up. Recovered. recovered. Finally receiving pay. They did not recover everything. Just finally getting started getting money back. This is twenty-seven. Four billion of recovered funds. One other. Look at his face. They, one of the things they said that was really fascinating about him, the cops that, that handled him and all the people that brought him to court, like he never felt any remorse. Never. He was a straight up sociopath. He didn't give a fuck. He kept demanding things. He felt he should get more things, like better treatment, wanted better rooms. No, no remorse. Never felt bad. That he, all these retirees, these people that just saved their whole life and they were going to put all their money in his account. Oh, Norman, I think we're going to get a good return on our money. And just fuck you. He stole it. Stole Why it steal that much money? What's that was his, what his business was. So what's the difference between four billion and one billion? Unless you're- Three billion, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When I am giving you math <laughs> advice, you got a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> but what can you buy with four that you can't buy with one? Island. But does anyone do that? Yeah. No one wants their own island. You're so naive. Listen to me. It's like everything. When you're playing a game, okay, let's say you're playing golf, right? And you get, you, what's a good handicap? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Okay. And say, what are you at right now? Uh, horrible. I don't know. Whatever. We'll say, uh, start shitty. Whatever you are, you're yeah. better than me. Yeah. What are you? I, I'm not sure of my exact handicap. 30? Right sure. Okay. You want to be 15, don't you? Right. And then you want to be five? Yeah. Okay. Well, when you're Elon Musk and you're worth 20 billion or whatever, you look at Jeff Bezos, like that piece of shit stealing my ideas. This fucking Project Blue or whatever, that bullshit rocket formula thing he's got, lying about his achievements. I want to beat him. Right. When you Jeff Bezos and you realize like you're worth 150 billion, but you realize some Saudi oil guys are probably worth a couple trillion. Like, mm, it'd be nice to be the first legit trillionaire from the Western world. And then you just, like, why wouldn't Bezos quit? Why does he stop working? Why is he just lying to be somewhere? He has balls massage, drink coconut juice. Why? Why do people keep working? They keep working because it's a sickness. Because numbers. You get numbers. You want more numbers. It's one thing if you're getting numbers doing what you love to do. Like if you're a baseball player and they keep paying you more, you love baseball. But if you're just a straight up numbers man, you're never fucking satisfied. You want more numbers. What is it? Bernie Madoff asking Trump to reduce his prison sentence for massive Ponzi scheme. <laughs> what year is this? Oh, I hope he does. I hope he does just for the spectacle at all. I hope he uh, pardons Snowden. And uh, I hope he pardons Julian Assange. Let's made off out. Gives OJ Simpson a full pardon. What else? <laughs> OJ. Yeah. Exonerates Mike Tyson. Just it goes down the list of everyone who ever went to jail for. How many pardons do you get? Oh, oh, yeah. oh my God. What if he just opens up the prisons? Everyone, pardon. He might. John Trump loves you. You can all vote. What if he changes that? Opens up the prisons. Makes everyone pardon for every crime ever. And then you can all vote. Everything except murder and rape. That'd be an Everybody's interesting uh, storyline. Like, if, if, you know, he's going to push back on this thing. I don't know what's going to happen, but it'd be an interesting, that'd be an interesting movie. A president who's mad that he didn't get reelected, so he lets out his anger on the country and just uh, uses all of his power. Well, he already fired, was it Secretary of State? No, the um, Secretary, Secretary of Defense. Defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. he fired the Secretary of Defense. I mean, we were firing people two months in. And there was a, maybe it was New York Times article I was reading, about his schedule. They were saying he shows little interest in his job right now. Yeah. But what do you expect? He just lost the election. Do you expect a guy that played golf more than any other president ever in the history of presidents who complained about Obama playing golf? Who's playing golf more than anybody ever? When you tell him the job's over, he's not going to make it. He's not going to keep working. Why would he do that? Yeah. Why would he keep working? Plus, you don't, you don't believe in the people that, you don't believe, you're, why help the people that went against you? Well, not everybody went against you. Right. I agree. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I've always been weirdly, I sort of like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like bad guys. Yeah, but I don't think, I, I like bad guys that are actually good guys that are bad guys. You know what I mean? Have you watch Cobra Kai? No. You should watch it. That's the whole theme of the movie. Really? The show, the series. Yeah. You remember the bad guy that Rob Macho fucked up? Mm-hmm. He's the guy you root for in the Cobra Kai series. Wow. It's really good. It's really good. It's really cheesy. Huh. In a good way, it's like watching a really well-written 1980s movie, but it goes on for hours and hours and hours. Wow. It's like a Netflix 1980s movie with 2020 writing, but like an homage to 1980s movies. And Ralph Macchio. What is, what's Ralph Macchio doing this? He's the bad guy, but he's also a good guy. He's a good guy, but he's making some really fucking petty decisions, and you kind of root against him. And the bad guy is kind of a fucking loser, but you kind of root for him. Yeah. Ralph Macchio's a winner. Got a car agency, doing real well. 
Yeah, LaRusso. LaRusso auto sales. Fucking great. You know, when Trump was at Madison Square Garden, I just didn't get the, <laughs> I just didn't get the vibe from him that he was a, a bad guy. Oh, well, that's good enough. It's it's <laughs> you saw him from a distance, it seems. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't you? You're the average American voter. <laughs> hey, 70 million people can't be wrong. Of course they can. <laughs> that's it. That's wow. the, uh, Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, Johnny Lawrence. What is his real name? Uh, um, he's really good, though. The actor. Um, yeah. I don't know what he's done since uh, Cobra Kai. I hope he's on the regular jobs. I haven't seen him in anything. No. No. How far into this did you? I'm always surprised uh, by the things you end up watching and not watching. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Bill Burr suggestion. Bill Burr suggestion. Oh, William exactly. Zabaka. Yeah, that's it. I knew it was a Z. Zabka. He's really good. He's really good in it. I knew a lot of those karate douches when I was a kid. I knew a lot of those guys. Those never surrender. No retreat. Never surrender. Yeah. And then you just kick them in their chest and they surrender immediately. Well, they weren't the best schools. Like um, my school, I was really lucky. I found this, this school when I was uh, 15 years old. I had a place that I went to before that in uh, Newton. It was Joe Esposito's karate uh, school. And he was like a Newton legend. He was a karate guy. It was, it was a good school. But I didn't have the method to get there. It was too hard to get there. I had to get my parents give me rides and they couldn't do it in time. By the time they got off work, the class had already started. There was no like public transportation when I was 14 to get me there. So I didn't go that often. But then the T, which was the Massachusetts of Boston train system, dropped me off like two blocks away from the J. Hun Kim Taekwondo Institute. And I found it when I was 15. I got super, super lucky because they were the most hardcore. And this was in 1980. They were, they, it was just different. It was, uh, I guess I was 15, so it was 81 ish, 81, 82. It was, they were hardcore, man. But they weren't like, no, no retreat, no surrender. It wasn't, there was none of that shit. It was, yes, sir, no, sir, honor, bowing. You know, it was like you had the tenets of Taekwondo that you had to follow. There was, um, there was no shenanigans or fuckery, but there was no tough guy shit either. There was, it was uh, like very stoic, you know. It was, it was, but I, we would go to tournaments and you would see those, no retreat, no surrender. You'd see those guys. And they, they weren't good. Right. That was part of the problem. So like they were trying to make up for the lack of skill. and the lack, it's, it's all about lineage, man. It's all about who's teaching you, like whether or not you learn your techniques correctly. Because if you go to a bad school, one of the things that I found out when I was teaching is it's really hard to unlearn shit when I would teach people things. Like if they had a, a background in like a martial art that in the 70s and 80s, there was no YouTube, right? So like you had to find a good instructor and you didn't know who the good instructors were. Some guys had bad technique, but they were just badasses and they figured out how to win with bad technique. But then they would go up against someone who was also a badass with better technique and then you would see the difference. Like the, the, the really good guys, the tough guys that didn't have the right technique, they would eventually fall off. And it was really hard for them to relearn stuff. So when I would teach people, it would be real hard to relearn stuff. Like the best students were people that knew nothing. The best students were girls. Because they didn't have any macho bullshit. Like one of my best students was a girl that I, I trained from the time she was 15 to she was like 18. I was so proud of her. I would take her to karate tournaments or these type of no tournaments and she would do well. It was like this crazy, weird mentor relationship I had with this girl. She, was, she would listen to everything. She never thought she knew more than you. So I'd have like 50 people in my class, but this one girl just would show up every day. Her parents would bring her and encourage her. It was really cool. But girls wouldn't, they wouldn't fight you on things. Like guys, I would teach them, I'm like, you gotta pick your knee up. Well, sometimes when the guy's close, I like to do it like this. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. listen to me. You gotta pick your knee up. Yeah. You, wanna, you wanna kick like that guy? You wanna kick like John Lee? You gotta pick your knee up. You gotta do it right. Guys would have like this weird ego shit. And girls wouldn't have it. I would say, you have to pick your knee up. They'd go like this. And they'd go like, yes. And then turn like that. And they would just do it. And if you learn the right way, you had a way better path. If you learned, so I got stupid lucky that I walked into the right school and found these people that were like hardcore with technique. Everything had to be done correctly. And if you were off at all, we would call every instructor was Mr. Or Mr. O'Malley or Mr. Kim. Mr. O'Malley or Mr. Kim, do it correct you. Like, not like that, like this. It didn't matter how hard you were hitting the back. If your knee was low or if your, knee was, if your position was wrong, your foot wasn't pivoted, they would correct you. Technique's everything. You know that from wrestling, yeah, right? 100% everything. And golf. It's yeah, everything. 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 Technique is any, everything. Any moron that would take a golf club and go, I'm going to hit this ball so hard without yeah. doing the 30 things at once that you have to do will fall over and look like a complete moron. That's why it's so good to learn new things. Because yeah. when you learn new things, you start from scratch, you get to be a beginner again. Yeah. And one of the things that I think plagues a lot of people is they, they never become beginners again in things. And so you get proficient in something and then you become stagnant. Like, um, Whatever it is, whether it's martial arts or whether it's uh, even pool. I would remember when I would play in tournaments a lot. There was guys that never got better. Like they were where I was when I first started, and then I got way better, and they were the same. Same with martial arts. Mm-hmm. There's some people they, they do something for a long time, but they never do it right. They always have like these weird flaws in their style or their, 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 their execution of the technique. But I think getting good at anything, whether it's chess or golf or playing a musical instrument, I, I think that's one of the most important things a person can do is learn something from scratch where you suck at it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the next thing because I'm I'm not great at archery, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty proficient. I know I keep my shit together when it comes to like the moment of truth when I'm like in a bow hunting scenario because I've been nervous a lot doing stand up and fighting and all the other shit I've ever done. But I need something new. I'm trying to figure out what it should be. But I think um, guns, like learning how to shoot pistols correctly, like that Terran tactical, that helped a lot. That was an interesting thing to do. You get better at that because you realize like, this is a totally different thing than anything else you do. And so you, and, and learning from all the people there, like how to hold it correctly, grab it really hard with your right hand, but your left hand, or your left hand rather, but your right hand, you don't really grab it hard, which is interesting because that's the trigger finger, but you don't have a lot of tension in that. The tension is more in your left hand. And all these techniques you learn from this, like people that win these world championships and shooting, anything you're doing, man, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's yoga or any, just try something new. Right. And get better at it. Yeah. I play golf with one guy who uh, wants to be 
good. So he's not getting any better because he's like cheating. You know what I mean? So he cheats? yeah. So and we all know that he cheats, but he doesn't know that we all know and that we're watching him the whole time. So it's one of the funniest running things. Three out of the four of us know that the one is cheating continuously. So he'll do this thing where uh where he'll go, he'll find his ball. If he finds his ball, by the way, which if he can't find his ball, he'll just say that he found his ball and drop drop another ball. With, he'll he'll pull his cart over and then go to the other side of his cart so that we're all blocked out and he'll magically find his ball. But are you if he doesn't golf with Donald Trump, <laughs> no, because that's what he does. That's what everybody says. No, these people are full of crap. You watch Tiger Woods; he'll tell you he's one of the best golfers that he's ever golfed with. I, I want to go to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I live in Florida. I want to go to Mar-a-Lago. They I don't want to be banned. Like Joe Scarborough. No, that's why they don't show you clips of Trump playing golf because they don't want people to know how good he is. Stop. I'm dead serious. Stop. Stop. I will not. Listen to me, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> don't you think Trump would have videos of him being awesome at golf? He does. Yeah, that's out there. Let's watch him. Okay. Do you think you have videos of Trump? Like you have videos of Manny Pacquiao running pool? I told you, Manny Pacquiao is like a legit pro. You saw. Do you think there's, there's videos of Trump playing like Manny Pacquiao plays pool? Trump probably doesn't release the videos because he thinks people compare him to pro golfers. But to a non-pro golfer, he's a freak. Listen to me, bitch. I'm you're, telling you, I'm right talking, about this. You're talking nonsense. How and why President Trump treats golf okay. even when he's playing against Tiger Woods? <laughs> yeah, fake news. <laughs> yeah, golf.com. Golf. Sure, you can go to the New York Times and they'll tell you Trump is bad at something. Bro, if anybody's conservative, it's golf players. So you think Tiger Woods? How many conservative golf players do you think there are? Is it a thousand percent? There's a lot. Trump owns like ten of the best courses. I understand, but people that play golf are generally business-oriented folks. Business-oriented folks want better tax breaks. They're the kind of people that are going to be conservative. Yeah, so they're going to buy a golf magazine. Yeah, people who write about golf maybe a little bit more liberal because they're journalists. Yeah, exactly. Every journalist is liberal. Not everyone. I mean, there's a couple, but nobody's reading them. <laughs> What's a conservative newspaper? Trump doesn't just cheat at golf. He cheats like a three-card Monty dealer. <laughs> he throws it, boots it, and moves it. He lies about his lies. He fudges and foozles and fluffs. Oh, at Wingfoot, where Trump is a member, the caddies get so, got so used to seeing him kick his ball back onto the fairway, they came up with a nickname for it. Pele. That's a nickname for him. Pele. Get out of here. I played with him once, says Brian Marshall, a longtime Wingfoot member, and the chair of the coming 2020s Men's U.S. Open. I would say that's a legit source. His quote, it was a Saturday morning game. <laughs> we got to the first tee and he couldn't have been nicer but then he said you see those two guys they cheat see me I cheat and I expect you to cheat because we're going to beat those two guys today it's being funny so yes it's true he's going to cheat you but I think Donald in his heart of hearts believes that you're going to cheat him too so if it's the same if everybody's cheating he doesn't see it as really cheating Okay, but well, that makes sense because I would think that a lot of his friends are dirtbags too. Like yeah. one of the things about joke thieves, right? We all know this. They take kids on the road with them. And those kids become joke thieves, right? We don't yeah. have to name names, yep. but we know we know comics who started out working for thieves, yep. and those comics became thieves, no doubt. Yeah, because they really like, they started on Mercedes. Yeah, it was a nice house. Yeah, and that's how it's done. That's how it's done, right? You really, if you grow up in the wrong environment, you really, you think that that's the way to do it, yeah. you know? And I think if you're in that fucking doggy dog crazy egomaniac pre-internet business world, which Trump is seventy-four, right? He was fifty when the internet came around. Stop and think about that, right? Yeah, they weren't expecting that. Come on, son. Thought you just keep being a, uh, a douchebag. Speaking of cons, I saved a, uh, I saved a. Uh, I stopped one the other day. I felt really, yeah, I felt really good about it. So I was leaving my place, going to get a coffee, uh, and I see this guy leaning out of his like brown Bronco, yelling at this lady in the car in the lane next to him. He's yelling, Bronco? Yeah, something like that. Like a nice one? No, like, like, a, what year? like a beat up OJ one. Yeah, yeah, like an old beat up OJ one. It's like beat up and brown, and something just didn't look right about it. And the guy's like yelling, like, "No, seriously, pull over, lady." Blah blah blah. Right? And I notice it, and I'm like, "That something seems shady. What's going on over there?" And then their light turns green, and he's like beeping at this lady aggressively that's in the lane next to him. Whatever. I go get my coffee. Um, Ten minutes later, I pull into a gas station to get something, and I see the same car, and this guy. There's a lady pulled over at the gas station. He's yelling at this lady. And the lady's like, uh, and I'm trying to like listen, but I'm not. And again, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to mind my own business. And I go in the gas station. And then she is in line behind me. She's going to the ATM. And I'm like, hey, just out of curiosity, what 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 that guy say to you? And she goes, I think I'm being scammed. And I go, you are. It turns out that this guy was screaming at ladies that because of how they were driving, he had to swerve and hit a car. And he doesn't want to have to go to the insurance. So just give him a few hundred bucks now. Since I saw him do it to two different ladies at two different cross streets, I caught on to it, and he was just about to get her. She was literally at the ATM putting her card in when I say, what's, what's that guy talking to you about? And she knew it in her gut. She was right. She was scared, though, so she was just going right, to do it. Right, and that's, well, how they, that's, how they, that's how they get you. There's a lot of those, man. That's weird about L.A. You don't see a lot of those three-card Monty things. Have you ever seen three-card Monty yeah. in Is that with the cups? New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or it's cards. Uh, three-card Monty's with cards, but the cup thing is a, like a similar kind of scam. It's like a little ball in the cup, and they move the cups around, and it's just like a sleight of hand. Yeah. When you see David Blaine manipulate cards, you, you realize, like, oh, Okay, like there's levels to everything. Like David Blaine can do crazy shit with cards. Like he did shit with my daughter. Like he like did these card tricks. And I was watching everything he did, and I have no idea how he did it. Like well, he did things where like cards would. They have a stack of cards, and he keep tapping the stack, and the stack would go smaller and smaller. There's like two cards. You have no idea how he did it. He just looked at him like, "What are you doing?" Like it's like he's got access to time travel. And he's like pulling those cards out when you're not looking, and then coming back to normal time. Like it didn't make right. I know how to do a couple minimal card tricks, and I'm not very good at them. But like I have an idea. Prove it. He was freaking me. I was watching him do, and I swear I was like, "I'm gonna catch him right now. I'm not fucking catch him." I was two feet from him, and he did something. I don't even. It just disappeared. How about the ones we did where the guys were holding his wrist? We had security guys hold each of his. He asked them to do it. Hold each of his wrist. He rolled his sleeves up. And he made these cards disappear. 
you're like, what is happening? Oh my god! What are you doing? What are you it's doing? Just, it's it's crazy. Not more than just cards. It's like psychology and like yeah. misdirection. Yep. And he's mixing it all together at a level that we can understand. He's so advanced. Yeah. I took one writing gig like six or seven years ago with Justin Willman, who's a genius, great magician. He he puts he's the Netflix guy now. And uh, um, I took the job because uh, Robert Morton, who used to be the executive producer of Letterman, was the EP of this. Anyway, I take the job just because it's a short two four week. We're making a pilot for this magician. I'm like, I like magic, magic school, and Morty's the EP, so this will be a cool thing to work on, right? Short job. So I show up day one, and basically we're all in a big writers' room or whatever, and I go, yeah, you know. And they're like, we got Tony here because he's, you know, he's going to add some edge to the comedy on this show because it was a comedy, it was Comedy Central's first ever magic comedy show, the pilot. And and I go, yeah, you know, I'll punch up whatever. You guys show me the tricks that you want to do, and I'll write jokes around the trick. And that's when I, this is when I realized how cool this job was about to be. They go, the main guy goes, no, you write the trick and you write the jokes. And I'm like, so you'll be able to do whatever my imagination thinks would be a cool magic trick. And like him and like four other magicians, which was basically the rest of the creative staff at the same time, are like, yup. And that's what excites them is because they can't even think of things. You know what I mean? They can, but they want to hear what a different mind thinks would be impossible. And then they figure out how to do it? Like, what, what, what's an example? Well, we ended up, because it was a pilot of a show, we ended up having to figure out a theme for just the pilot. So the, for example, the, that was uh, technology. So one of the things was him versus him versus a 3D printer uh, um, in making things appear. It was really funny because there was this kid, they went to this, we ended up finding this like nerdy smart school where this kid was excited about his 3D printer. And basically it was, it was just him making things appear out of absolutely nowhere. Well, one kid was still printing one thing with a 3D printer. It took forever. And he ended up just pigeon, 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 card, 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 card. Like it ended up being, you know, it's a comedy. So, but um, I'm trying to think of what other ones. There were some really crazy ones. I think it's a whole world yeah. where there's there's things that they understand. They know with the average person. Like you look at a deck of cards, you have an idea of what's possible with, with that deck of cards, but they have just 10x times more options, how to hold them, how to move them, how to maneuver those cards, how to distract you with the other hand. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to hang around with David Blaine for a few months yeah. and watch him do tricks. It ended up being one of the most fun gigs I ever worked on. There was just, I'd get home after uh, a day of work and I'd find like the seven of spades in my shoe. I'm like, this guy forgot to finish that <laughs> he one stuffed, trick. He stuffed a folded card under Jeff's uh, watch band. Wow. And he's like, uh, where's the card? And Jeff's like, where'd it go? He goes, look at your wrist. And he's like, what? And he like realized like it was folded and stuffed under his watch band. And he has a fucking G-Shock, right? So it's it's not like a loose, crazy watch band. It's a tight buckle, rubber strap watch band. He stuffs it in there. And he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, what the fuck? No one saw it. Yeah. And that's Jay, you were filming some of it, right? Did you uh, film some of it? Other people did. So I, I, was wanting, I, was a, I was a big fan of his growing up because I was like a huge fan of Magic, David Copperfield. But like after I figured out how fake that was, moved into street magic because it's a little harder to do, you know, and that's what he was big on. So I was waiting my whole life watching watch him up close. And he's got to be two feet from him, like I said. And I wanted to just, I wanted to try to catch him. And he, he was so good at it. He did like seven tricks in front of me. He's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Like genuinely nice. On camera, off camera, with everybody. With security guys, with uh, my family, with everybody. Like you could tell. Oh, just really nice, friendly, genuine guy. But some of the stuff he does is fucking weird. Like he made me shove an ice pick through his bicep. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, are you, what, what, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, it's not a trick, right? It's just pain. And um, I think pain is just a sensation, right? And if you can just tolerate the sensation, it's not deadly. And one time I hit a nerve. I'm going to back it out and do it again. I had to do it a second time because I got in there. Just, stop, stop, stop. I get to hit the nerve. So I had to back out and do it again. I think it was supposed to be more disturbing and impressive than I reacted to it because, um, first of all, I'm used to pain. You know, I've been doing martial arts most of my life. I'm always hurt. I've had a bunch of surgeries. And also, I've butchered animals. Like, I understand muscle tissue and. I'm not, it's just like, why are we doing this? It was more, why are we doing this? than oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. Like that one was not a good one for me because it's like, okay, like I could do that too. Like if you want to shove that through my arm, I could just sit here when you shove that through my arm. I wouldn't like it though. Did he bleed? Yeah, he bled a little bit. Yeah. We had to stop and refilm because he had like a little bit of a hematoma, right, Jamie, wasn't it? Like a little. Building up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the security guys had to put like a fucking bandaid on it, shit, check it out. Some, one of them was a medic. How do you think, do you think he went through the muscle? I, I pushed it through his fucking arm, dude. Like his muscle? hundred percent. Not between the bone and the muscle? No, no, I shoved it through his muscle. One hundred percent. How, you, you can do that, how thick was it? The needle? It was an ice pick. But I'm telling you, you can do that. You know, there's guys, this is one of the things we found out during the show, that I don't know, there's guys who used, they would shove swords through their body. Their whole gig was shoving swords through their body. And we watched it live. We, I mean, not live. We watched videos of these guys shoving swords through this one guy's body. He was famous for it. So they take like a long, thin sword and they shove it through his chest and come out the other end. And he'd just be standing there with his sword through him. Yeah, so here's me. Did you see this? No. So here's me shoving. It. What? Yeah, I, he's like showing me how to do it. Like, push through here. Yeah, just shove it through. No. Yeah, poked it right through. 100% real. But again, that's not the best one for me. Because if you're a person who's like, 
doesn't necessarily see a lot of uh, pain or you haven't used to like surgery or someone getting like if you did that to a doctor right the doctor would be like okay i see what you're doing just pushing something through the muscle and it probably hurts right it's not like a joke or a trick it's not a, it's not an illusion you're just doing something that hurts like okay like steve-o could do that steve-o's probably done that a hundred times he does things like yeah. that yeah he went to, to college or something like that yeah. i think but steve-o yeah, climbed in a fucking tree and had lions come chasing after him yeah like he's he's the best yeah he does a lot of shit he did a frog thing too though oh, that, was like another... that was a different thing he swallowed a frog he swallowed a shitload of water so during the podcast he probably drank <laughs> look at you, 15 <laughs> he probably drank 15 bottles of water or something crazy and then he swallowed his frog and the frog is in his stomach with all the water they swallowed and then he spit up the water slowly but surely in a bucket with an ice bucket on the table and then he eventually got to the point where he felt the frog coming up and he spit the frog out in my hand okay good yeah i mean he knows how to do it Man, that's the difference between David Blaine and Steve. Steve eats the frog. <laughs> You're watching it come out of a different yeah. hole. The frog comes out of my nose. Here it yeah. comes. Put the, put the plunger in my butthole. That yeah. stuff holds up, man. Those movies, nothing makes me laugh like those movies. I swear Jackass? to God. Yep. Yeah. Nothing. Crazy. I could watch it over and over and over again. What's amazing is that Steve walks around like he's fine. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem that hurt. I mean, one time, uh, real recently, he had a bunch of skin grafts. Remember, he got real badly burnt? Yeah. One of the things oh, yeah, because he put together this, this new special. I actually, he had me come over to, uh, to watch it, and I'm telling you, it is so freaking good. He saved a lot of his favorite things that he wrote himself for this. Did you ever see the one where Tim Kennedy choked him unconscious on stage? Is that this one, this new thing? No, this one's a while ago. Oh. But uh, my friend Tim Kennedy, who was a top-notch middleweight in the UFC, put the fucking choke to him, choked him completely unconscious, and let him go. And he falls and bounces his head off the ground. It's like, ooh. This most recent one? Oh, on this is the one he taped himself. Oh, he's so funny. This, he does my favorite thing I've ever seen on this one, where uh, he pretends like he's a bicyclist. You know, a bicyclist wear those goofy outfits. Look at the, yeah. his dick. Yeah, so he just painted himself. Like he's, <laughs> put me on his dick hanging out? Yeah. Oh, my God. And all these people, he always falls next to somebody, and they're just about to help him, and then they see that his Realize. dick and balls are just painted black. <laughs> he doesn't really have a bike. Look at this. Oh, my God. Johnny Knoxville just kicked him right in the balls and dick. Mm. That's pieces of his uh, skin. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Giant boils. At one point, I think he does a shot of it. Does a shot glass of one of his infected burn uh, pouches. Yeah, that's not good. It's very funny, though. It's a weird way to make a living, though, right? Because uh, after a while, you know, you're going to go Houdini eventually. Someone's going to hit you with something. You're going to die. Something's going to go wrong. But maybe not, because he's been doing it. How old is Steve-O? 45? Probably, yeah. 45? 46. 46. Yeah. Been doing it a long ass time. Yeah. Do you, I think he was going to let Chocolate Dale punch him. That's not a good idea. I think that was one of the things he was doing. Something was going to happen. Johnny Knoxville got knocked out by Butterbean. Oh, yeah. It was an enormous man. Yeah. And he let him knock him out. He had a boxing match with Butterbean, which just means you're going to let Butterbean knock you out. Right. You're not going to win. Probably gave Butterbean a little bit of a thicker boxing glove on that one, right? <laughs> no. No? No. No, it was a regular glove. Look at a nice regular 10-ounce glove. <laughs> Sent him into the DMT dimension. Scary. <laughs> Scary. It's a regular glove, right? I don't think it's even a sparring glove. I don't think it's a 16-ounce or an 18-ounce glove. I think it's a legit 10-ounce heavyweight boxing glove. Butterbean was this. What's that? The early days of Jackass, and they're like just doing all sorts of shit on TV still. Yeah. Just the movies. Oh, this is different. He fought him in a ring too. This isn't fighting him in a store. He hits his head on a display, I think. But he beats the shit out of him. That's legit. He just beat him down, and this lady's like, "What in the fuck? Look at these people." Yeah, like, but this is legit. Like, he's not like faking it. <laughs> so this means that Johnny Knoxville got knocked out by Butterbean more than once. Because those actually those look like 16-ounce gloves. To be honest, those are bad gloves that Johnny has on because they have Velcro on them. Oh, he's letting him hit him. He let him have a couple. Oh, but Johnny doesn't have a bunch. That's not fair. And then he KOs him. Yikes. Terrible. But there was also one. Maybe it was Steve-O. Someone boxed him in a ring. See if it's Steve-O. You know what you might be thinking about? You might be thinking about the Tough Enough Pro Wrestling Tournament. They did. Uh, no, I'm thinking about a, for sure Jackass, okay. where uh, someone boxed Butterbean in a ring. It was an actual ring. I think that was all they did with him. It might have been something else. I'm pretty sure someone boxed him in a ring. See, that's why it's a uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, but it's not that. See, um, Butterbean KOs. Uh, see, Butterbean KOs Steve-O. Except Jackass and Butterbean. Yeah, but take off Jackass. Just Butterbean knocks out Steve-O. Yeah. So one of the guys fought. It was so. Is it only what's that one? That one, keep going down. The one right below Eric. Yeah, that one right there. That's it. Right no, no, right, right below that. Sorry, is that the same thing? Mm-hmm. There's one in a ring. Maybe it's like a false memory. So the WWE once did this thing. They had a horrible idea. It's famously one of the worst ideas ever. I think it was called the Tough Enough Tournament. And uh, Vince's big idea, because UFC was just gaining popularity, was to have he took like 16 of his least favorite pro wrestlers that were like on the cutting, you know, on like the but easily quickly could be fired. Um, and he decided to make this tournament called the Tough Enough Tournament. And what he didn't realize is that some people were just better fighters than others. And the guy that ended up winning it all, he didn't expect to win it. So then he put him up against Butterbean at WrestleMania, and Butterbean absolutely demolishes him. Oh yeah, here it is. It's really sad. <laughs> so famously, they hype this guy up. Oh, the right hand is exactly. wide open. There yeah, it see, is. Hello. see how low his left hand is so crazy? Yeah. That's so crazy. You can't, you can't do that. He's yeah. going to get up because he's tough. Yep. They ruined this guy's career because now he's been beaten by a boxer in a pro wrestling ring, so it's over. Well, now he got beaten like, legitimately. That last one. He doesn't get that. I don't think he got up from that. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah, they dust him off. Look, he still gets his left oh, hand low. Jesus. Oh, my God. That is so bad. That's yep. so bad. That's such a bad KO. Go back to that again. So, like, that guy, that fight's over. Look. 
Oh my god, that's horrendous. That's horrendous. Yeah, that's bad. God, I got this false memory of uh, Butterbean fighting Johnny Knoxville in a ring. Yeah, type Hmm. in a few things like just kidding. I was looking for any other celebrity or something that did, maybe, but... Maybe it's, it's not Steve-O, mm-hmm. KO by Butterbean. Mm-hmm. Either way, Butterbean was a, a fucking tank of a human. He was a weird guy because he was like the king of the three-rounders. Or was it five-rounders? Would they make him fight? But he didn't really have the endurance to go 12, so he would go short distances, but he was so big. Butterbean versus Conor McGregor, who wins? Butterbean. Three rounds? Butterbean. Conor gets to go crazy. Butterbean. Think of the four-rounders, they call him. Yeah, Butterbean. Dude, he hits him once. It's a weird number to land on, right? That means he's really First, tired by round listen, five. He's so big, you're not going to KO him. His, he doesn't have a neck. His head starts at the top. His neck starts here. Just like goes uh, straight out. He's, he's not, like a lot of getting KO'd is you get twisted. Right. Your, your head washes around. Your brain washes around inside your head. Dude, I had a crazy dream. And I'm remembering it. That uh, a friend of mine was telling me that he's got an opening between his skull and his brain. He has to close. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he like lifted his skull up, and I was like looking into his brain. And it was all the space. It was like his brain, and then all this the space, and then the skull on the outside. And I was like, "Whoa, you gotta get that fixed." Oof. What a crazy dream. That is freaky. I had one the other day. Sorry, reminds me of that where uh, one of my, one of the guys that works at the comedy store was coughing hysterically. He was coughing, and blood started shooting out of his neck and then out of his ear, and like each cough just dot dot what that is what? that's the comedy store dying in your head <laughs> realizing that it can only sustain itself for so long the way things are going yeah i mean i don't know we'll see yeah crazy times man i think everybody has to move to texas it's the only way to keep comedy alive they're gonna keep la on lockdown for a long time man definitely oh. seems that way some news hit today just a little bit ago we've been on uh joe biden's funky not like that but uh billboard posted something that um for ticket master tickets about getting tested and having it linked to an app yeah john joseph sent me this yeah, yeah that also uh, uh vaccines yeah they're gonna have a connection to vaccines ticket master i saw ticket master yeah so if you're gonna come to a show listen this is very controversial, right? If, I'm all for testing. If you can test the day of and then get in. Like there's rapid tests. Like we did rapid tests today. Mm-hmm. You do a 15-minute test. Um, the problem with the vaccine is right now, like the Pfizer vaccine, if you read into it, 90% are effective. It's really good. But the people that do it, they get horrific headaches and real bad hangovers. And what they're experiencing sounds a lot worse than what Jamie experienced having actual COVID. Tell me what it was like having actual COVID. I, I, like I, I said it a few times. I thought I was getting a sinus infection, so it felt like it was like coming. I've had one before. It's like, okay, I know it's about to happen. I'm about to maybe have two or three days of nose pain, whatever, head pain. It never actually came. So I was like, maybe it's still coming, or it's like, it's never got that. How high. many days was it like that? One, okay. really? I was, and I never even felt like worse than maybe 60, 70% of normal life. I was like, I just kind of, I'm starting to feel funky, whatever. Maybe tomorrow will be worse. And it was like not worse. It was not really much better, but it wasn't a whole, it wasn't worse. And then even as days went by, though, a little better enough when I came in, I was like, I'm fine. I don't I felt bad a couple days ago, but not now. Yeah, you didn't think you had it. You thought you had hay fever or something. Right, yeah. Because I, I was looking online, ragweed was real bad. They said even like, don't go outside if you have ragweed allergies. It's like very, very bad. Just stay inside today. Yeah. People get weird allergies. Hmm. There are weird allergies out here. There's a cedar allergy around here, but it's not really cedar. Um, I forget what actually, No, it's a kind of plant. It's a tree. It's a type of tree. It's not really cedar. It's like juniper or some shit. They call it cedar fever. But what is it actually? I'm looking. I think it's juniper. There's something that uh, that gets you. And for whatever reason, they call it cedar allergies, but it's not really cedar. Um, but apparently, for a lot of folks out here, they don't get it the first year. They don't get it the second year. They get it like the third year. Yikes. I was like, what? You can get a partial. Yes, yeah, the symptoms for the cedar fever include fatigue, headache, facial discomfort, sore throat, partial loss of smell, and a feeling of having plugged ears. And what is the actual plant that gives you that shit? Uh, mountain cedars is what this says. Hmm. Cedar fever is allergic reaction to pollen from mountain cedars, according to Texas Med Clinic. Oh, hmm. So it could be a different. Why don't you Google also? cedar fever is actually from blank? Because someone was telling me that it's a different plant. I was like, why are they called cedar fever then? He's like, oh. But anyway. Ah, oh, there you go. Blame it. <laughs> blame it on this as a joke. Blame it on the patriarchy. The patriarchy? Yeah, I mean, Does that how you say patriarchy? Jamie's so addicted to bullshit. He doesn't even say patriarchy. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the thing says. Look, <laughs> the pa- it's patriarchy. That's like, oh. funny. They're trying to make it funny. Oh, oh tree. Patriarchy. Um, yeah. What is the actual plant, though? Are they saying cedars as well? Maybe the guy who told me it was different as bullshit. Maybe he's one of those guys who likes to know things, but he doesn't believe in Google. Snokes <laughs> only. That's weird, man. <laughs> those fucking like, bullshit artists used to be a thing. You know, guys just tell you stuff and you're like, really? Yeah, man. Well, when JFK was killed, they immediately went underground. What do you think would happen if the JFK, if, I don't know, this is a weird question. You can't say today or if the internet existed then, but what do you think would have been different about that if that had happened during an information age like this? Or would it not have happened? The murder? Yeah. See, Jeffrey Epstein. Here's, here's, oh, the, thing, here's the thing about murders today. It is uh, equally horrific as murders in 1963, but there's also more information coming at you. It never ends. It never ends. It's like voting controversy, Antifa takes over Seattle, fucking da 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 You just constantly get inundated with information to the point we forget about what you were mad at two days ago. Yep. That's part of the problem with today. It's you get an information overload. Like I was telling you, I don't remember having this conversation with someone on a podcast that I just saw a clip of. I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking completely forgot about that guy. That is like 
like if I had a really interesting conversation, with, if it was rare for me to have an interesting conversation with people, if I worked in a factory and very rarely I could sit down and have a cup of coffee with some scientist who tells me some really cool shit, I would be telling everybody about that story. I'd be like, dude, I had this conversation three hours, just me and the scientist. And he was telling me all kinds of crazy shit. I would, I would remember all of it, but I see too many. I have too many, too many of those stories, yeah. and they just get lost in my head. I think that's how we are with everything today. That's why no one gives a fuck who killed Jeffrey Epstein. If you like had a national, like if there was a clock or a, a chart rather that showed national interest in the Jeffrey Epstein murder, it was like twenty percent, and now it's like zero 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 point one. Yeah. No one gives a fuck. No one's Google Jeffrey Epstein murder on Twitter. You know, like three crazy people that also are into QAnon and they're they're, they're bringing up the Epstein things. You know, someone found the, the records. Remember the records from the flight logs are out. Everyone's fucked. They're all going to jail. Came and went. Right. Nobody cares. Bill Gates went. Did you hear Bill Gates went. Came and went. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Right. Google news. Like, Google news. Remember when that stuff came out? Yep. Now back on to down to nothing. Wow. That's how we are. That's, I mean, they probably anticipated that when they killed him. Yep. You know? There's so much news. Yep. Yeah, they probably just figured we get away with this. And they kind of can. And if things get more and more chaotic, which they appear to be doing, it's going to get worse with that. You know? It's going to get even more strange. It's going to get weirder and weirder and weirder, Tony. Where do you think it all goes? Where does this crazy, never ending news cycle? Mexico starts being more safe in the United States. People start moving to Mexico. The United States gets more and more crazy. Or you go to Canada, but Canada doesn't let us in. It's too cold there. We, well, it's not even that. They don't want us. Well, great. I'm glad they don't want us. We become Mexico, there. Canada becomes the United States. It's not too cold there. It you is. haven't been there. I know, but we go. Uh, yeah, we go straight, straight into a car and straight to a hotel and straight to the venue and straight to a restaurant and then back home. Remember we, we <laughs> talked about this on the show uh, when that story leaked about the, like a hot mic ABC News producer got... Um, yeah, Epstein thing? Yeah. NBC. Wasn't it? ABC. A different one? She's suing ABC for $10 million. The same, was I wrong? Is it NBC or ABC? ABC. You see lady? Oh, ex-ABC News staffer sues Disney-owned network over leaked Jeffrey Epstein tape. Ashley, oh, it is ABC. Remember Seeking $10 million. Yeah, okay, I was wrong then. According to New York, I thought it was NBC. She, this was the tape, like, I can't believe they, like, right. they wouldn't put it out, blah, blah, blah. Is that her? No, I don't know. Oh, it's a different one. So it's not the reporter, oh. this is the girl who found the tape. Right, the reporter was the girl who was on the, saying, I broke that story, I knew that story, but then they buried it. Yeah. She, she should... got fired for leaking it or something, like that, I think. Oh, that girl got fired for leaking the tape. Oh, good for her. Good for her. Well, someone hires her. Remember, I think we, like, she's doing what they were supposed to do, like labeling things with certain whatever, and then it gets just like, like how this leak? Mm. She said she didn't do it. <sighs> so she did. Good. She should. That's a crazy thing to hide. Here's the tape that you fired the video. That's it. That's it. That's her. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Whatever happened to that lady, the lady who leaked it? See, the real worry is that they would blackball someone like that, keep them from working again. Someone needs to come up with a, a legit network online, like a legit news network of like really trusted news people and just give them total autonomy. Never restrict them and then give them a security detail everywhere they go. It's expensive. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. But if you think about how much money they make it, like Fox News and... Wait, wait, if they want to seek a story, you gotta like fly to somewhere, stay in a hotel for weeks, 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 mm-hmm. pay money to you know, get, get information. Yeah, get oh, no doubt. It's not cheap. Look at uh, what's happening right now with Fox News. You know, people are abandoning Fox News. Because they think that Fox News is turning on conservatives because uh, there was uh, people in the Trump campaign that were talking about the, um, the election results, the election results being uh, fraudulent and all these different things. And so Fox News said uh, this is, these are unfounded accusations. So they cut away from this guy explaining this. And the conservatives are freaking out. Right. Because what Fox News is trying to say is like, hey, you guys, this is, not, this is not true, according to them. Or it's at least not accurate. Like the amount of voter fraud is not accurate. Or maybe it's not enough to sway the election one way or another. It hasn't been proven. So when someone says it, they, for whatever reason, decide that they're going to stop that person saying it from broadcasting it on the air. It's an interesting choice. Because on, on one hand, I see their point. If it's not true, you really shouldn't put it on the air. But on the other hand, it's like the president's people are saying this, so it makes it news. Even if it's not accurate, you're suppo- I think you're supposed to let it air and then say, this is what's wrong with what he said in terms of, as far as what we know right now. But it's a tough call. Like, if you're the head of Fox and someone starts coming out on the air and saying some shit that you think is fake, what do you do? What do you do? Especially if he's not really the president anymore. Right? If, like, if it seems like it's going to be Joe Biden in office, you've got to you hedge your bets. Because if you get into a situation where, imagine if, and this is not outside of what's possible, imagine if, whether it's Biden or the next administration, whoever the fuck it is, gets into power and they say, we're going to make laws that punish people for spreading uh, false propaganda, for punish people who spread fake news. We're going to make laws against it, and we're going to decide what's fake and what's real. And so then Fox News gets fined $100 million, $500 million. They, get, they, get, they, get, they go blank. They go dark for a week. They have to stay off the air for a week. Some crazy shit. Yeah. If they decide that they're enemies of the current administration, and the current administration gets the support of the people, because the support of the people, like, if most of the people are into the president, and they, they can, like, what if they have control of the House, or control this, you know. They control, can do it. They, Technically, they can do it. You never know. Not now. Right, right. now, I don't think they can do it, but right. it, it's not impossible. Look, if you think of the people that have been silenced from Twitter, right? The people have been kicked off of Twitter. People that have been kicked off of Facebook. New York Post. New York Post are kicked off of Twitter for the Hunter Biden story. Yeah. That, that would have never, you never would have imagined that being possible just a few years ago. Right. But it's possible now. So now we have a new sense of what's possible. If you keep taking that further and further, you can see how Fox News is like, hey, 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 kill that. Right. We, we got a business here. Rupert Murdoch, he's alive, right? Uh uh-uh. uh. Rupert Murdoch's not alive anymore? 
No, the son's got to go. Right? Or no, the, he the, does control animals, but he's still alive. Yeah, the, the other guy died. The owner. Doesn't Rupert have a super hot wife? He's got a super hot wife. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. I heard she's a real fox. You know what I'm ah! saying? Come on. Come on. There's something about those like purely transactional relationships. Oh, yeah. What's the new one? Jagger's ex. What? What? Come on, son. For real? Let me see the picture. And hand together. Give me that one right there. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Damn. She's just waiting. She's waiting. Well, maybe he's nice to her. Wow, she was hot as fuck back when she was with Jesus Christ. Let me see that upper left picture that you just looked on. Upper left? Oh, no, upper left, yeah. Look at that again. <laughs> just checking his pulse every nice day. Just holding on to that. She wrist. loves him, yeah, Tony. Maybe. maybe. Wasn't, uh, look, look, at that, look at that hot body he's got. That's a hot body. <laughs> if you're really into like, anatomy, you want to know where the skeletons are? Like, that's what I like in a man. I want to know where all his joints are. I don't want anything to be cloaked by meat. <laughs> oh, there's his heart, very clearly. <laughs> I can see it beating through yeah. his weird translucent ribcage. Frightening. <laughs> How old do you think you're going to live to be? I don't really think about it, hmm. honestly. If nothing happened, if, if you were to go natural causes, because you're a very, very healthy guy, what would you guess? If you were to go with from old age, as healthy as you are. The life stay wealthy? Have, yeah. I'm going to live a long time. Yeah. Unless I do something really stupid. Yeah, you're going to stay wealthy. It's going to be interesting. You'd have to really, you'd have to do some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, islands and islands, right? Yeah, I'm not into buying things like that. Right. I think, um, I think it's possible today to live to be 120. Yeah, I think with the right, and I think what we're dealing with now, we're on the cusp of what's possible. I want to. I want to say any names. I was having a conversation the other day with a billionaire, mm-hmm. a very wealthy man who believes he's going to live to be two hundred years old. Wow. Yeah. He's explaining to me all the different things that he does and where he thinks like medicine and science is going to go. Like, any any simple advice? Is there a secret out there? Celery juice? Or something? Don't do all the things you did in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't drink whiskey and smoke cigars. Um, I think for sure exercise. It seems to be the number one thing. You have to keep your body moving. You have to keep your blood flowing, and you have to keep your body strong. Keep your body vital. There's a difference between working out and uh, overtraining. Overtraining seems bad for you. I have a friend who's 28 who caught the COVID and uh, he's in really good shape, but he caught it when he was working out really hard. He was doing a fitness instructional and he was like training way, way, way too hard, like really beating his body down. And then he caught it, and he caught it pretty bad. And he had it bad for a couple weeks. He's, he's young and healthy. Um, so the thing about training, and this is the thing about guys training for fights, they get sick a lot. Um, it's because you're, you're, you're breaking your body down. You're getting to this, like there's a fine line between training hard and overtraining. It's a really fine line. And it's, uh, it's hard for people to find the exact spot to land in. You know, a lot of fighters overtrain. Tim Kennedy, the guy we talked about earlier, he famously overtrained for his last fight with Kelvin Gastelum because he had a fight canceled. He went through a full six-week training camp and then the fight canceled and then he got another fight come up in another six weeks or five weeks, I think, and he went straight, I'm not sure about the time, but he went straight into another full camp and then by the end of that camp, he was so tired. He just never gave himself a, a your body can't sustain like peak performance levels for very long. You can sustain a good level for a long time, but you got to know when to peak and when to back off. And really good fight trainers, they know when a, a fighter is too, sh- too sharp. They're like, you're peaking. We're going to pull you back. So they'll pull him back and they'll say, take a few days off. They'll, they'll tell you, like, go watch TV. Go lounge in the pool. Swim a little bit. Just relax. Go for a hike. Just chill the fuck out. Let your body recover. Let your body recover. Let all that broken down tissue rebuild itself. <sighs> Let your body um, just rebound and then come back at it again, but do it slowly. So the smart ones, they're monitoring heart rate, heart rate variability. This thing that I wear, the whoop strap. That's what that's all about. It's all about monitoring how well your body's recovered. Like every morning when I check my app, I check my whoop app and it tells me how well I've recovered from the night before. Um, whether or not I'm in, like, whether or not I'm good to go for today, whether or not should take an easy day. Like the, it'll show you based on your heart rate variability. But a lot of guys don't do it that way. They, they just don't want to be a pussy. You know, they just want to keep pushing and keep pushing. And you can break your body down doing that. And that's when guys get sick. And if you get sick when your body's already tired and compromised and then a virus gets in there mm-hmm. and weakens you even further, you can get really sick. I had pneumonia once uh, for a, a tournament that I went to. It was when I was uh, training really, I was training like a moron. I never wore a heart rate monitor. I wasn't even taking vitamins back then. I was just eating whatever and training like a terrorist. And then uh, I, I came out here. Oh, I came out to California. I fought in this tournament in Anaheim. I was 19, so it was like uh, 86, 1986. I fought in the Nationals in Anaheim and I had pneumonia. And uh, I fought three times with pneumonia. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I was so, so fucking beaten down. I was so tired. And I can't believe, I was like, how did I fight yesterday? Like, what the fuck? But that's also what happens when you're, you, you, you take yourself past fitness and you don't want to be a pussy. So you keep pushing, keep pushing. But it's really dumb. Like a smart athlete knows when to back off. Like an experienced athlete knows their body really well and they know when to back off. But the right way to do it is with heart rate monitors. The right way to do it is like, Steve um, Maxwell told me that a long time ago, you should check your heart rate in the morning. And if it's more than X amount of beats per minute over your standard resting heart rate, it means your body hasn't recovered yet. So you should not work out that day. Hmm. And it's hard for people to do that. 
or if you do work out, you should work out really light. Like maybe do some positional drills. It doesn't tax your body. Like do some things where you like framing and just go through everything in slow motion where you never really break yourself down. But it's it's also sometimes people want to do too much too soon. Like my friend Cam Haynes. Yeah. Cam Haynes, when he's training for ultra marathons, will run a marathon every day. That's not fake. Like I've seen him do it. I know he does it. It shows me his fucking his uh, his, his Under Armour uh, app that he uses or tracks his his, uh, his distance every day. It's bananas. But he's done it because he's, he's done that slowly but surely. He's built up this base over decades of, of training hard. You couldn't just go out and do that. And if you ask, like there used to be conventional science or conventional wisdom rather would be that uh, if you run a marathon, you need to take six months off. <laughs> He's running marathons every day because there's levels like you can build up. So the athletes that stay in shape have a much better chance at getting through a training camp and not being overtrained. But the athletes that take a lot of time off and party, those are the ones that wind up a foul. I think I'm going to pee my pants. Oh, go pee. Okay. Jamie's gone too. You're going to pee with Jamie. This is the first time ever that I've been left alone (laughs) on a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And I already talked too much. So now what to do? I think that all of us are real nervous right now. I think this is an unprecedented time in history where everyone is wondering what's going to happen next. Everyone is wondering. And it's so easy to say that we need to be more empathetic and we need to be more nice to each other. But I really do think that that is something that we need to concentrate on. This idea that like, people are making lists of people that voted for Trump and supported Trump and, and that they're, they're going to put them on these lists and they're, they're going to send these lists out to potential employers. And you got to give people the opportunity to make mistakes and you got to give people the opportunity to grow and you got to give people the opportunity to have a different opinion than yours. And just to say that if you support that guy, you support this or that or whatever horrible thing it is, whether you think it's racism or fascism or whatever ism it is, I really think now more than ever is a time to come together as a country and to realize this is not healthy for anybody to divide ourselves into these two groups and the more we push against the, especially the people that won the people in the Biden camp are now like now nah, we're going to make even AOC wrote that we're going to make a list of all the sycophants and supporters of Trump like I don't think that's the right way to do it I think historically blacklists and lists of people that are for, forbidden from working or forbidden from uh, being considered uh, a part of uh, accepted culture it's, it's very dangerous people are malleable and people they make mistakes they fall into groups of people that have different opinions and we just got to be legitimately got to be nicer to each other that's what I think. And it sounds so cliche that we have to be nicer to each other, but that's what this country fucking needs. We need to realize, like, yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, we're in a fucked up place. Yeah, it's fucked up that people are riding in the streets and it's fucked up that there's police brutality and it's fucked up that there's COVID and it's fucked up that people are losing their jobs. But the only thing we have together, if we're, we really truly are a community, is to treat each other like we're a community. You know, you could be, like, if I, I, I imagine a world where there's a Republican and a Democrat living right next door to each other and they joke around and they laugh about stuff and they talk to each other and they, they have different opinions. But, I have to, I Snopes? Need a, no, I just need like a five minute, uh, I need to. I can't just sit here for a little bit. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, okay. I, I thought you went. I did. You came back when yeah. you saw? Oh, go back. Like, I gotta, you don't have to tell us. All right, I just I didn't know if you want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so go or what? I'll be back in the bathroom. <laughs> What's happening? Jamie just he cut his pee short and I was bald already. Got shit. Yeah. Shit wow. Yeah, I really had to pee. And then I, I had reached maximum pee. And then once I saw Jamie go, I'm like, Jamie's peeing. And I really started thinking about peeing and I simply couldn't take it anymore. Mm, I understand. People really, you know, they, I, I bet a lot of people towards the middle end of your podcast, you don't realize it because your body's, you know, superhuman or whatever. But they, they have to pee a lot because people get extra hydrated oh, yeah. to do your show. And then they drink coffee mm-hmm. and, and whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I don't have to pee. I don't have to pee at all. Weird. Sometimes I do though. I've had podcasts where, particularly after yoga, because after yoga I drink a fuckload of water because I do that hot yoga, and I'll, drink, I'll bring a sixty-four ounce um, uh, hydro flask with me filled with ice and water. I'll drink that whole thing during yoga class, and afterwards it's wee, just pee 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 pee. Yeah, can't stop it. Yeah, it happens, man. The, uh, Are you worried about the future, Tony? Yeah, sure. I mean, no more than I was two years ago. Really? Yeah. It's no different. It's just a different focus on it. You know, it's different. How so? I'm just uh, I'm just concerned about. You know, here, let me do this. Let's go back to what you were just talking about about being nicer to one another in a unified front. Is I had this thought the other day, which was. I was thinking about America after 9-11 when we had a terrorist attack and we had what appeared to be a clear enemy and it brought us all together. That's probably the closest we've all been together, right? As a country. Sure. And then... How old were you? Um, oh, boy. I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. So I don't know, 16, 15? Mm. How old are you now? 36. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, I was, uh, I think I was 30. And I think I remember, I remember hearing about it going, holy shit. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was 31. I, I couldn't believe it. And then I remember thinking, wow, everyone's so unified. All these people with American flags in their cars. Do you remember that? Yeah, super, super unified. You remember and- Jay London? Yeah, Jay London used to sell those American flags you stick in your car. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Jay and I. Uh, is that pre Last Comic Standing? Or? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Because Last Comic Standing was later in the two thousands, right? Wasn't yeah, it? I think so. Two thousand three or four. He was on Last Comic Standing. Yeah, that makes he had a moment sense. in the sun. Yeah, there for a while. Yeah, but before that, he was essentially uh, he was just like a street vendor. He was selling these American flags, little ones that attached to your window. Wow, you roll up the window, the flags blowing. So one of my conspiracy theories, going back on that to that nine eleven thing, is that one of the reasons why this country is sort of turning in on one another is because right now we don't have, for the first time in forever, because we're pulling out troops of everywhere. 
we don't have an enemy. You know, we don't have an actual targeted, let's unify to beat this opponent type of situation. Instead, troops are coming home for the first time in forever from Afghanistan and this and that. And we, we realized that we, are, we, were, we, were, we were fooled into getting to, into Iraq and all this other stuff. It's all becoming so clear. And since we don't have an enemy, we're starting to Just a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. And then there's also COVID and the lockdown, which exacerbated everything because so many people are stressed out and out of work. Just some crazy number, like 30% of the people in this country can't pay rent. Right. Yeah. That's never happened before. It's in our lifetime. It's and, insane. And how does that bounce back? That's my, my point about Melrose. Like in a big city, who's going to invest in going back into those places? You know, when you see these closed down places, to bring them back up, just to, to, to imagine a time where you're going to drive down Melrose and all those stores are filled again and there's all hustle and bustle and traffic and, and people walking on the streets and not dangerous fucking gangsters everywhere. Like it seems weird now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it picks up, you know, a nice warm Saturday afternoon. It's, it, it looks sort of the same out there. Sort of? Yeah. 30%. I know. It's weird. I'm trying to rationalize it in my head, but it's not. The same. It's not. No. I remember we did uh, this thing for the comedy store where uh, it was uh, Whitney Cummings and Bill Burr and Paul Rodriguez and um, Andy Letterman and Jay Leno and, and me. And we're on a roof with Mike Binder. And, and uh, we were, it was the first time I've been in Hollywood in a long time. And the first time I've been at the store in a long time. And it was really emotional. And it was sad. And I was sitting there hanging out and, and you realize there's no one on Sunset. No one. And every now and then, like Lamborghinis would go racing down Sunset, like flying. Like you would hear, like going 90 miles an hour plus down Sunset. No cops. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is so strange. It's very surreal. One of the last times I was at uh, the comedy store, I got pulled over because my muffler was too loud. <laughs> the cop pulled you over? Cop pulled me over. So what's that? Like, that just seems like a scene out of a comedy movie. Cop walks up to you and then what? Does he, he ask really? for the ID? No. No. He goes, um, <laughs> I was pulling you over because your muffler's too loud. I go, it's, it's a factory muffler. Right. Like, it's, I have an M3 from 2005. It's a, a Dynan and it comes with a Dynan muffler. You know what an E46 is? E46 M3? Not really. There's a sweet spot. In the, do you know anything about BMWs? You used to have, yeah. would you have a five, five series? Yeah. Beautiful car. Yeah. Great car. That year that you had was 2002, 2004, something like that. Same year as the E46. It's the, a lot of people think it's the Goldilocks zone of uh, BMWs because it's before BMW became this really cushy um, like luxury car and was more of a driver focused car yeah. and uh, my the year that I have is uh, 2005 I actually got it from a guy who contacted Jamie who we were talking about E46s and he's like I got one that only has 15,000 original miles it's a silver E43 it's beautiful it's like a classic looking car um, but it has a it's not that loud so this cop was just looking for shit to fuck with people by and if I was an, uh, just some asshole right. or maybe a young black guy mm-hmm. I might be get a ticket. I might be in trouble. Like he just decided to pull me over for nothing. I wasn't speeding at all. I just took a right out of the comedy store parking lot, and all of a sudden the lights were on. Like immediately, I pulled over, and he pulls over, and uh, I go, uh, "What did I do?" And he goes, uh, "Seems like you got an aftermarket uh, muffler in your car." I go, "Hey, <laughs> I go, how you doing?" And he goes, "Hey, what's up?" And I go, "I don't have an aftermarket muffler." I go, "It's a Dynan. This is the way it comes from the factory." Yeah. And he goes, "It seemed pretty loud." He goes, "We rev it for me." I go, "Okay." So I give it a little boom, boom. And he's like, "Yeah, that might be too loud. You might want to get that checked." I go, "Okay." What do I do now? And he's like, "Nothing. You're all right." I go, "Okay." He goes, I'm not really trying to pull people over for this. You know, we're looking for bad guys and drunk drivers. I go, I understand. That's okay. And I'm like, all right. That was a, that was a fame privilege moment right. Right? and a white privilege moment. <laughs> I, was, I was driving away from that knowing, like, if I was just a, a 25-year-old kid, white, black, whatever, I was probably getting a ticket for a loud muffler. And it wasn't even loud. It was just a cop looking to fill. He had, like, you probably have, like, this is controversial because some cops say it's not true. And I've talked to cops say it is true. Like, they have a number of tickets that they have to write in a week or a month or whatever. And they get in trouble if they don't write enough shit. And so this guy was like, well, that doesn't seem that soft. Let me pull this dude over. Just no reason. Yeah. Just that was it. There was no, I mean, I was, he was going left. I was going right. He did a U-turn, pulled me over. It was instantaneous. Yeah. I got off on a warning recently. The guy just lied to me. He's like, I got you doing, what was it, 45 and a 35? Or no, no. We should point out that you drive a Corvette. Yeah. You probably were doing 45. Yeah. But I realized he didn't say 45. I knew I was doing 45 and a 35. He said I was doing like 49 or something like that. But I knew I wasn't. Because I did literally, this model Corvette has like three speedometers that you can't miss. There's a, a giant speedometer. digital one. There's one there and then there's one on the other side that shows you another speed. Um, what? You have more than one speedometer? Almost positive. I think you have a tack, you fucking Luddite. You don't even know it's what you tack. have. Oh my God. Who cares? I got the engine. No, it's a tachometer. It shows you how many revolutions per minute your engine's going, you fucking dummy. I know what an RPM is. I don't call it a tack. I'm not tachometer. some cool car guy. What are you talking about? It's standard. This is what you have. You have a speedometer and a tachometer. They're right next to each other on every single car. It's a performance car. You know what there is? There's a regular speedometer. I'm almost positive. This is a regular one. And a digital one. And then the digital one tells you right in the middle exactly. with big numbers, right? right. And then right. over the digital one, on top of the RPMs, there's also one that digitally shows you. Two digital ones? You don't know I'm what the fuck positive. the car does. Yeah, there it is. Wait. Oh, yeah, there's two. <laughs> First of all, that one you're looking at is a fucking tack. 
on the left. Yeah. yeah. No, on the left is a speedometer. The one in the middle is attack. That's a attack right. tachometer. Yeah. And in the tachometer, then it has miles per hour in the center of the tack. Right. So the tack will show you when you hit red line if you're using your paddle shifters. So most of the time, a Luddite like you, I'm sure you put it in drive like a fucking <laughs> dork. You don't even use those paddles, do you? <laughs> Who needs them? Oh, how dare you? You know what it's like if you press the pedal all the way down and drive? It goes fast. Yeah. No, no, that's all you care about, right? Yeah. It's the best feeling in the world. You don't, even, you don't need a, a clutch. You don't need any of it. You don't need to shift. Have you shifted for yourself yeah. ever? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. the last time you did it? In that car, I don't know. No, 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 no. I mean, a real shift. Left foot clutch. Yeah, I used to have right hand. Yeah, I used to have one. What'd you have? Well, I used to own a Hyundai Elantra. Oh, yeah, powerful. That got me prepared for my Corvette. Um, but no, when I rent cars and stuff, sometimes on the road, I'll, I'll get one. What? Yeah. They don't rent you a stick shift. Sure they do. Who are they, who's renting you a stick shift? Yeah, there's a lot of janky cities out there, Joe. Really? Yeah. What do you like? What do you rent? What's the last time you rented a stick shift? I can't. I don't. I mean, it's all a blur. Just keep making shit up. Go ahead. What do you mean? You don't think <laughs> rental cars have stick shifts? <laughs> they do, but you have to like really ask for it. Like Most of the time they drive automatics. Yeah. Like there's stickers that people put on cars that say uh, anti-theft deterrent and it just shows a manual transmission because hmm. most people just don't know how to drive a manual. I liked it. I mean, I, and, if, and if the car was um, manual, I would have I done that. It's fun. It's fun to have stuff to do. <laughs> I like it. That's really what it is. It's it fun is. to have stuff to do. Yeah. They're on their way out. Manuals? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. You know, they used to have manuals on motorcycles where it was an actual stick shift, the really old ones. Wow. Yeah, Josh Serlin, he's the uh, owner of uh, Black Bear brand. They're a real cool clothing company. They built me this really dope leather jacket, man. It's really cool. Um, he makes like really interesting handmade stuff like clothing and, and shit. And he's into like craftsmanship and old stuff. And he has a motorcycle. I think it's like if you go to his Instagram, Black Bear brand, he drives this really old motorcycle. Brad There's Brad Pitt doing it. It's, I think they call it a suicide shifter because you have to reach down and imagine Brad Pitt, beautiful as he is, no helmet, just driving yeah. around. See it in the upper right hand corner, that picture? That's what it's like. So you shift. Like a, a clutch, like you press and shift it by hand. Just go to Black Bear Brand on Instagram because he does it. Um, he's got videos of him driving through tunnels. It looks so badass. And he said, like, I talked to him about it, and he was like, "It's the most alive I ever feel." He goes, "The tank only lasts for like twenty miles. Like it's this little last tank, and this engine just eats gas. It's so inefficient because it's a really old bike. But he's just and shifting with one arm on the handlebar and shifting like this. But there's something about there he is. Look at this, Crazy. Josh. So he's driving this thing, and then when he shifts, see that thing over by his uh, dick? That's a shifter. Look at that. See, he has to reach down to shift gears. Weird, wow. right? Yeah. How could they make a motorcycle more dangerous? First time I ever saw that was a drug dealer in Phoenix. I met this drug dealer when uh, we were at uh, the uh, improv. The improv, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, man, you can hang out with us." I was like, "Hmm." Got to you holding on him on the back of his motorcycle. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> shifter no, you got I, there. I didn't. I avoided him. Yeah, he just seemed like trouble. He was a little too enthusiastic about it. A little coke, cocaine enthusiastic. Yeah, that Tempe improv is uh, wow. Yeah, well, Tempe is college town, yeah. and it's surrounded by like that Scottsdale area, which is notoriously. Um, it's an upper town. Like that's the place where I think Tyson got arrested there for coke. Mm. It's a, a lot of coke. Like I, I didn't, you know, I'm ignorant coke. I've never done it. Me but, too, never not once. But I was with Red Band, who's done it a lot. And Red <laughs> Band and I were in a club, and he goes, you know, everyone's on coke. I go, what? He goes, look around. Everyone's talking real loud to each other, and they're all touching their nose. And it was almost like I couldn't unsee it anymore. Right. I was like, oh my God. He's like, dude, everyone's on coke here. Yeah. I go, wow, really? He goes, yeah, they're on coke. Yeah. Makes sense, though. Yeah. Like, so that's Scottsdale area, a lot of rich folk, a lot of people like to party. Yeah. I like hanging out with those people because I don't get tired until 4, 5, 6 a.m. normally in old normal life. So I, yeah. sometimes I, I just, I'm completely oblivious to it and I don't realize that they're doing that. And they don't want me to know that they're doing it, so they keep it secret from me and everybody wins. We're all having fun. Have you ever had a desire to try it? See what the fuss is all about? No, there's nothing really with, uh, with anything that's an upper that excites me. One time, I took a half of one of the pain pills that uh, my dentist gave me when I had a wisdom tooth removed, and I immediately, uh, a half, and he told me to take two or something crazy. He's like, take two of these if you feel any pain. I took half of one. And I could see how people would love to do heroin and all of it. Like mm. immediately, the, the warm, sweaty feeling of ha- pure happiness went over me. <laughs> and I was smiling ear to ear, just so happy. And uh, so that's a scary one. And that, that was done. I remember one time I uh, got a hold of the old school NyQuil. This was like in the 90s. I was sick. And I got a hold of the old school NyQuil and I took it and I was lying in bed. And it just like, I was like melting into my pillow. I was like, oh, yeah. it felt so good. Yeah. It felt so good. Just drift away. Just be comforted. I felt like you're in the womb. Yeah. Like everything's going to be okay, Tony. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to get a big, warm hug by the world. That's it. That's exactly how I felt that day. Mm. But the argument for people that don't have anything going on in their life, like, why should I not do that? Right. You know? Right. Luckily, I'd already started the adventure of doing stand-up and all that and had a reputation or whatever because I could totally, 100% see myself. It made me feel so good. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, if you don't have a good enough, like, a discipline, a thing you're into that requires work that you really get joy out of, if you don't have that, and then you find that the drug early, before you've had the good feeling of accomplishment, right. that drug feeling can take you over. And that's really hard to, like, sacrifice. It's really hard to, to, to embrace discomfort when you're really into that codeine feeling. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, just drift away. All your worries go away, don't you? Yeah. That's the big problem with people with opioid addictions. You know, if you don't have something better than that, you know, a lot of people are like, why should I abandon it? 
right. you know? And yeah. it's, a, it's a tough argument because what's your argument for that? What do you say? Hey, you should suffer in a factory. You should, you should work your way up to a mediocre existence of debt and, and struggle and hate your job every day and stay clean. Yeah, that's rough. What do you do? What do you tell them? That's the, that's the number one problem I think people have when they don't have a lot going for them and they also get into drugs. Like, how do, we, how do you fix that? What do you think about mushrooms being legal now in Oregon? Dude, steroids are illegal in Oregon. Whoa. Or legal, rather. Everything's right. legal. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Oregon, get fucking buff, Just get and trip my balls off. Become like Dorian Yates, do acid. <laughs> Who's Dorian Yates? How dare you? Oh, no. How dare you? Dorian Yates, one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. You know who Lee Haney is? No. Son of a bitch. Does oh, Ronnie a, Coleman. Does he use a tax speedometer? No, I know Ron Coleman, Columbus, Ohio, the Ohio State University. Okay, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Ron Coleman, Ohio? Ron Coleman was a. Oh, thinking, Mark Coleman. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of Mark Son Coleman. Son of a bitch. That's a white guy. Ronnie <laughs> Coleman's like one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. He was so big, he doesn't even seem real. Look at Ronnie Coleman. Jesus, get out of here. Yeah. He, um, he did the podcast recently. His, look how big he was, dude. He was so big. Now, that guy his, I could picture throwing a nice pick in one of, one of his biceps. Right? Oh, yeah, he wouldn't even notice it. Yeah. Um, he, he's had every single disc in his back fused, except like one or two, I think. A bunch of back surgeries. His back is all fucked up from just lifting in immense amounts of weight and pushing himself. Like, to be that big and that strong, like, you have to have a crazy work ethic. Look at his back. Look at that upper right hand corner picture. Look at that. What the fuck? That's alien. God. That's so crazy. Look at his butt cheeks. Jesus. 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 Goodness, Jesus. Yeah, so that's what you could look like if you move to Oregon. Start lifting. There's Dorian. Look at Dorian. Dorian's also been on the podcast. He's a normal sized guy now. But back then, when he was a champ, look at that one in the middle right there. Bam. Look at that. Dog. Fucking come on, son. Look at the size what, of him. That's Jesus. what I look like after lifting uh, 25 pound kettlebells a few times Bro, in God. my head. Look at the size of him. He was, uh, for his day, like extraordinarily massive. And that was like, he sort of was one of the group of the next level of bodybuilders that, that took mass to a new level. And he, when he, you know, when he talked about it on the podcast, he said he basically lived like a monk. Like all he did is eat and train. Like he was just obsessed with being the best. Is it just a life of pain? Tearing your muscles so that they build, grow back bigger again and again and again? That's a lot of it, but it was just the results. He was addicted to standing on that stage going, bam! And everybody be like, holy shit! He wanted to just unveil. That's, it's like people have a narrow-minded perspective of what art is, you know? And I think bodybuilding is an art. But I think it's an art that only people who participate in it truly appreciate. There's a lot of arts like that. I think pools aren't like that. Like when I watch a guy like, like I was saying, Efren Reyes, when I watch him play, like you watch that guy play, like wow, like the way he gets out, it's like it's beautiful. But only people who really understand pool know how difficult the shots are or how he changes the angle in English. And, okay. and I think bodybuilding, when you see a guy like Dorian Yates or like Lee Haney or like Ron Coleman, when they get to that peak form and they're on that stage, like only a person who really knows how difficult it is to be that massive and that shredded and to be standing there with veins on your feet all the way up to your calves, and your thighs, and your fucking all the way up to your neck and your head, like that's massive, crazy dedication. It's steroids and dehydration and there's so much involved in reaching that peak form when you get on stage. Like they're really unhealthy when they get on stage. Like that moment when they're shredded, they're Super dehydrated. Yeah, they cut all the water. Yeah. Yikes. It's a big yikes. It's a crazy way to live. Yeah. But for them, because they understand the dedication involved, like people that are really into that, man, it's like a tight knit community of people that are really into like looking shredded and vascular and what it means to be that guy, you know? Yeah. Be Mr. Olympia. As you can tell by my body, not really my thing. Well, but your thing is killing. Killing on stage. Like I was talking to, uh, well, I've talked to a bunch of comics about this, but I think recently I was talking to Segura about it. But, like, can you imagine living your whole life and never killing? Never knowing what it's like to just, to just crush. Thank you. Good night. You know? To lay down a Netflix special, you know, and have people watch it all around the country. I can't go without it. You know, it's hard. You want it tonight? That weekend that we did in Houston, man. That was the last time I did it. That was July. Really? August, September, October, November. That was four months ago. And that was only one weekend. Imagine how much fun you'd have if you came out tonight. Cheers. Cheers. I'm a little fucked up. It's going to be fun. You and me and Lon White. Who else is on the show? Uh, the young um, Tony Casillas. You can't call him young Tony Casillas. There's one young. Huh? Young Jamie. Oh. I don't no, know. Is he still young Jamie after the coronavirus? <laughs> Didn't that put a little... No. Sick for a day. Son of a bitch. Why beat it? He beat it. Why beat it? Oh, okay. He beat it because he's young Jamie. Yeah. People get mad because he's got gray hair now and I still call him young. I have to stop dying. I always have fucking gray hair. When did you start having gray hair? When I was 12. You, know, you can go to a hair salon out here. Well, you yeah, black one get cornrows. Why don't you go? Why don't you get cornrows? I've had it once. Cornrows? Yeah. I need to see that picture. Uh, do I have a picture of it? I'll give you a raise if you get cornrows. Ooh. <laughs> that <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> that glance he just show? gave you. You're doing a show, right? Just, will you it. get in trouble if you wear cornrows? Will that be cultural appropriation? Have they, have they let that go? Problem. I would imagine so, yeah. It's for white girls. It's a real issue. But for a guy, it might it be a goof. It hurt. Ooh, I would imagine. It's very tight. Uriah Faber got that when he fought because you're the California kids with some long hair. Yeah. Can we get some cornrows? You could do it during a show. You could just have one of the cornrow people behind him mm-hmm. doing it. It's a pick and deal. Update for sure. It's not a band. I had long hair back then. Oh, God, you were in a band. Yeah. Wait, Wait, do you have any recordings? Yes. We're going to end the show. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yes. Absolutely not. Yeah, we no, have to. No, 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 no. It's not good. Nope. That's no, why it's good. No, no, Come on, no. let me make fun of you. Is it on YouTube? No. It, there was no YouTube. This was, it was a long time ago. Mm. I'm saving it on YouTube. It's not. It's not. We should put it on YouTube. We should put it on the JRE channel. Probably not. Do you have it? You wouldn't even know I'm in the band, though. I'm not singing. I'm not playing bass and guitar in the band, so there's a bunch of other people that. 
they probably wouldn't be big fans of that being out there either. Have you thought about bringing that back now that we're in the center of live entertainment? This is the place. I have, I have, have I you have, really? Thought about coming back? Yeah. Really? 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 People last night were trying to book me a gig already. I was like, oh, <gasps> no. Like, oh, really guitar, my so. goodness. What was the name of your band? Eat uh, Shit. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> Please welcome Eat Shit. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're Eat Shit. Good night. <laughs> what kind of music? Uh, it was like heavy metal rock music, you know. Dude, you're playing metal? Huh? Wow. That's how I, turned, like, I have a ear for music. Like I turned you on that fucking badass song by uh, Aaron Jones. Yes. Right? Dude, he's really good. I've uh-huh. gotten into a bunch of his shit. His people reached out. He's going to send us the album, he said, but it's not done yet. He's very good. He's very good. Very unique. Seattle sound, I think is what they're calling it. How much good music came out of Seattle? That is a crazy part of the world. A lot of despair and rainy days. That's it. Yeah, motherfuckers get go inside. Like, how much good music comes out of Miami? Right. And by the way, you know, Seattle has one more day of rain per year than Cleveland, and Cleveland has one averages one more day of clouds than Seattle, so they have an equal amount of shitty days. And a lot of great shit comes from Cleveland. Yep. Yeah. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. So you Suzanne Santo from Honey Honey. Yeah. Yep. Honey Honey came out of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people come out of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those places that really suck, those people have a lot of pride. It's weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people like live in places that are awesome, they don't give a fuck about those spots. But people that like fucking hang in there in Pittsburgh, we're gonna fucking hang in here. Yeah. Pittsburgh or death. You know, there's a dude who came to my Cleveland show with a t shirt on. It said Cleveland or death. And uh, I put him on my Instagram. It's like that shirt needs to be seen. That was what it said, right? That makes sense, I'm sure, something like that. Yeah. I picked that on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you're from Youngstown. Know, people kidding. from Youngstown dream of moving to Cleveland. Yeah, no, I know, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, you know, being from those places is great, but getting out of them, like getting out of there is better. It only works if you get out. Well, that's fucking winters, man. Yeah. That's what I'm talking with Joey Diaz about. It's like, Joe Rogan. This fucking winter's gonna be cold when I can feel it. Yeah. There's always a place for you in Texas. Yeah. He's dreading winter like a fucking Game of Thrones character, right? <laughs> We're playing games. We're playing games. I'm eventually gonna get him out here. It's gonna take some time. I saw White Walker the other day, Joe. They're coming. Let me know when you open up that club. When <laughs> yeah. open up that club. He'll be there day one. The floodgates will open. Okay. I'm gonna put out the bat signal. Because yeah. I don't think the comedy store is gonna open up. And I don't think the clubs in New York are gonna open up. I think it's gonna be a while. But we have rapid testing here. I mean, we do it at the studio. I think if I hired, this is my thought. If we have a parking lot, and in that parking lot, you have a team of ten nurses, and you tell everybody to come an hour before the show. The show's at eight, get here by seven, you get tested. You just have a name, you, you write you, everybody wears a mask. You get, it's a quick no swap. It's not hard. You do a quick test. Everybody goes inside when you're when you're clear, and when you're not clear, they get you the fuck out of there. Yeah. But I bet most people would be clear. Yeah. And you'd maybe catch a few here or there that didn't know they'd have it, right? If you have it, if you think you don't feel good, please don't come or get tested at this resource and come on down. And then you have people they get tested, they go inside, and then they can have a drink and wait for the show to start. Show starts at eight or eight thirty, give people plenty of time. Yeah. That's not unreasonable. To ask not at all. People before the doors open up at the store, people wait in line for longer than fifteen minutes. Right. Yeah. So if you can have ten nurses, I mean, you've you got your test today. It literally takes five seconds to administer the test. Yeah. Well, ten seconds, right? Ten seconds to swab yeah. your nose. So they, they swab your nose, they do the test. It takes fifteen minutes to get the results. But you could do that if you have a name and a number, like uh, number 79, that's me, you're clear. All right, good. You got your ticket, maybe you have a QR code or something like that, they scan it at the door. It's not hard to imagine that you could do a real show out here, a real show, like 300 people packed. Like a place the size of the comedy store main room, 350, 400 people, you could do that here. Yeah. It's not, you, like, because there's a disease doesn't mean there's not a workaround where everybody can still be safe and still be like we're doing right now. Everyone in this room has been tested. We're okay. So then we can just sit across from each other and have fun and not even think about it. Right. That can be done in a comedy club. It can be done, you know? And is it easy to do right now? No, it's a little complicated. It's a little expensive. But is it better than not doing it? Yeah. Especially if you're a fan of comedy. Right. If you know that you can just get tested and you can go perform in front of a real crowd, like packed, like the old days where everybody's clean. Yeah. God, we were having so much fun. We were having too much fun. But this is the wake-up call. It's a little reminder that you and I and Diaz and Ari and Duncan and, and so many others, we lived through the golden years of the comedy store. It was the golden years. And almost like poetically, it ended at the peak. It was sold out every night. Yeah. Every night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Multiple shows a night. Main room, OR. I remember going there on a Tuesday night. There was two shows sold out in the main room. The show in the OR was completely mo- They were doing two shows in the OR. Remember that? Yeah. They started doing an early show and a late show because there were so many people. Yeah. You had to rotate the crowd. Belly room was packed. Packed! Yeah. Everything was packed! Those were always two or three shows a night in the belly. Yeah, and people were flying in from all around the world. It was literally the golden age of comedy. And then it ended. And now tell me what you were telling me about LA, how fucked up they are. They won't even let people. You're doing. a show with no audience in the main room right. streaming it yeah. to people in the parking lot and they won't let you do it right they gave, a, they gave the comedy store a ticket because we were streaming the show from inside to outside on television but, but you can also stream other things you can play the Lakers you can play UFC you can show anything you want that's live you just can't show what's happening inside the building live outside to the parking lot 
So how does that make any sense? Right. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. <sighs> and by the way, the system's so messed up that one week it'll be one person and the next week a different person says that that's okay, but this isn't allowed. And, and uh, performing in a window is okay, but streaming it to screens isn't. Or it, it changes continuously because there is no consistency and they don't know what to do. And then at one point it got approved by uh, West Hollywood that they were allowed to do certain things. Shows. Yeah. In the parking lot. Yeah. They sent out a newsletter. Yep. I was like, oh shit, they're going to do shows in the parking lot. Yep. And then the city of LA shut it down. Yeah, LA County. <clears throat> was like, nope, even though you're your own thing, West Hollywood, we're not allowing you to do that. What, do you think that's political? It's, it's, it's all a mess, man. I just, I, I, it, How does that make sense if you can go eat at Boa and that's outside? Right. How does that make sense? Right. And also when you factor in that people will be talking less than they would be, especially you know, right around the corners of the Saddle Ranch, which is playing music and you have people at tables talking over the music to one another. So yeah. it's about protecting people from a disease. And then you factor in that almost nobody talks during a comedy show other than the one person talking and that they're all facing one direction. And clearly, if there were scientists, they'd be like, oh, it's much easier to spread it with the music and that. That's totally legal than with that where almost nobody's talking. And then the comedy store is also proposing a big shield, a plexiglass shield between the audience and the, and the stand-up. Yeah. And they're still like, nope. Right. Because it's live entertainment. And they think that if they do that, people are going to start dancing or something, making out. I don't know what's going on. It doesn't it's make any sense. What I talked to Dave Smith about yesterday, we're like, these governors and these mayors, they also have power. It's very difficult to let that power go. It's not, it's not nice. And they keep getting paid. What should happen is their income should be based entirely on the income of the city or the state. Yeah. So when the income of the city and the state is drastically reduced, the salary of the governor and the salary of the mayor should be radically reduced as well. And, Brilliant. Then, and then you would see how quickly these motherfuckers would open things up. Yeah. And, the, and on that note, fuck faces. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, where you at tonight? Well, people will find out tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm at, uh, I'm at the Vulcan Gas Company tonight in Austin. Is that you, Jamie? And what is this? Oh, shit. Is this you? Where are you at? That you right there? Yeah. Play this shit. No, 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 come on, on. Play, it. play it. Play it. We'll leave with this. That's not good. Play it. Play it. Oh, Stop yeah. that. Give me some volume. Man, each shit's pretty good. <laughs> each shit coming to 6th Street. <laughs> Okay, stop. Turn, turn back on. We're gonna close out with this. Chase your dreams, bitches. <laughs> I'm in Dallas this weekend, though. With hyenas. Hyenas. Yeah, four shows. Yeah, I do. That. I go there all the time. It's so much fun. Keep that fun going. And, Who are you working uh, with? Just company. me. Just you. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm working. With, uh, Tony Casillas again is going to be there, and uh, and uh, yeah, someone else. I'm not sure. Someone else. Yeah. Another incredible local talent. All it's right. Between two guys. Well, yeah. that's it. Dallas this weekend. Come get some. Watch Tony Casillas. Tony. Build a pony. You're moving here, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Say yes. Yeah. Just a, we just gotta get everything open here. Red moving here. Red already bought a house. You know that? Yeah. Crazy. Come on, bitch. Crazy. Come on. Come on. All right. You can January. Okay. January is when I'm opening up. Okay. Wait, I want to wait until the I want to wait until the new uh, once Biden gets in office. I want to see what they do. I'm worried about lockdowns. I'm worried yeah. about nationwide mandates and weirdness. Yeah. You know? I'm hoping that they recognize that there's a, there's a way to do things, open things up, and also they recognize people have to work. You can't just keep everybody shut down. A lot of waitresses and a lot of waiters and bartenders got fucked over during this shit. I want to let's bring them back, get everybody back to work, bring yeah. back some comedy. Yeah. Texas, let's Tony, I'm in. come on, Tony. Okay, I'll do it. I just All decided. Right. Eat shit coming to Sixth Street. <laughs> We're gonna have to get some new band members. Looks like there you go. What's up with the smoke machine? I mean, it's about a billiard hall. They were doing the best thing. A billiard hall? You play pool and and have music? Lock going on. We got two singers. It's all happening. That guy's screaming. He's got one guy sounds like Tool. The other guy sounds like Megadeth. That's the goal. That's the goal. (laughs) Figure this out. It's a fusion. (laughs) You knew us back then. Good night, everybody. Good luck. Godspeed. Let's keep together, bitches. Woo! The Joe Rogan Experience. Train my day. Joe Rogan Podcast by night. All day. I came in, I was uh, doing my buddy Scott Horton show and uh, hanging out with him for a little bit. And, uh, and yeah. you're looking for a place to skate. Yeah, exactly. New York, uh, Schultz told me that New York is like they just won World War Three. People are dancing in the streets. I, I was there um, in Union Square the other day. We did a show at the stand and it was the day they called it for, for Biden. And uh, as much as I just despise Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, it was kind of nice for the city to just have one. Yeah. Just have a day. It's the only day that it, it's felt happy there since March. Here too, people are honking in the streets. I went, went to dinner with Tom Segura, he was in town, and we were driving on the streets, people were honking and cheering, and people were so happy. I'm happy for people to be happy. Yeah, I like that. Even if they're happy for a stupid reason, well, you're like, at least be happy. It's just, it's 
too complicated. And your guy knows a lot about politics and, and the way the world works, but it's too complicated to really go into depth about it for most people. So, so many people just have this sort of cursory understanding of politics and then they follow a narrative. The narrative is Trump is bad, you get him out, Biden's good. And then you go, yeah, well, what about the crime bill? What about the Iraq war? What about this and that? What about what she did? Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. All they, all they want to say is that the good guys won. Now we're going to go back to being America again. Ah. Yeah. And then Pfizer announces a new vaccine. Ah. Well, it would be nice if we could go back to being America again. I think yeah. we're still far off from that happening. But you're, you're right that I think most people, and this is, it's not just politics, it's true with everything in life. Like most people have expertise in very limited areas. Um, and for everything else, you're kind of just trusting what somebody else tells you. Yeah. So, and especially with politics. It's so, I know very little about it, even though I've read a lot about it. I'm still I'm like, what is all this? You, you, you know, there's some fuckery going on and you know, there's a lot of special interests and there's a lot of money and there's a lot of shenanigans. But it's like to really know how this stuff works, to really understand lobbyists, to really understand how bills get passed, to really understand Congress, to really understand the Senate. Like you got a deep dive for years. Yeah. And then you still don't know a lot of it. I mean, you know, you, you can go based off, say, like what's been declassified that the CIA is, is right. been doing. But what do we not know? I mean, oh, and there's, yeah. there's a whole lot that we don't know. But I think we know enough to go to know that it stinks, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of corruption. And in many ways, I think that's what Trump, at least the people who support Trump, saw him as, is the guy who was outside that system, who was kind of fighting for them. Not saying that's the truth, right. but I think that's what a lot of Trump supporters saw in him. Yeah, that was the simplistic comic book version of what Trump was to them. He's like, and that's where like that QAnon stuff all comes in. And, you know, people thinking that it's really like this plot to stop child molesters. And- yeah. Well, and and the, the system is always corrupt enough to give cover to the wildest conspiracy theory because they are already like you could say, OK, well, perhaps, you know, QAnon conspiracy theorists believe some really crazy shit. But then you just go, but look at what happened with this Jeffrey Epstein guy. I, I mean, there really was this child sex trafficking ring that, that was covered up. I mean, we have that woman on ABC News who was basically saying, I broke the story. And my boss yeah. told me no. I think it was NBC. Was NBC? Yeah. 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 Oh, we, we broke the story that you know, they wanted to protect uh, access to the royal family. So we would let a powerful multimillionaire or billionaire child sex trafficking ring uh, leader go state because we wanted access to the royal family. What the fuck, dude? That, how about that video where the interview where Princess and- Prince Andrew? Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. right? Princess Andrew. Prince, <laughs> Miss Andrew, I'm so sorry. Prince Andrew is uh, on television with that lady and they're asking him questions about whether or not he was there and what happened. And you could see this look in his face like he's never really been questioned before. Yeah. He, the fact that he agreed to do that is so weird. Like, it's almost like he doesn't understand what a trap is. Look, I've never been trapped before. I'm a royal. <laughs> yeah. Is he a royal anymore? Did they kick him out? Something I'm, happened? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They can kick you out. Yeah, they can. They kicked out the other dude who hooked up with the actress. Yeah, he, he wanted to be. I think he left. I think he, he left too, but he wanted to go back for something. They go, nah, son. <laughs> you're done. Wasn't there something recent, Jamie? Wasn't there something weird? Which one's he, Harry? Yeah. Or is that uh, Harry Potter? Am I thinking Harry no, Potter? I think, I think it's Harry. Yeah, I think. <laughs> with Harry Potter. I just think it's fucking so preposterous that we literally don't know anything that guy's done other yeah. than that he's a prince. Prince Harry saddened and disappointed that his request for Remembrance Day wreath was denied. Oh, oh no. The Duke of Sussex. Sussex. You know, we, we spend Sussex. a lot of time. Uh, Look at the name. Sussex. Yeah. Was saddened and disappointed at the decision to snub his request for a wreath to be laid out at the National Memorial in London. Man, the level of suffering mm. that he must go through to get his royal wreath. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I don't think they let him. Decorated war hero. What? Prince Andrew's decorated war hero? What did he do? That's news to me. High press buttons <laughs> that led to victory. Yeah, I have a the prince wasn't on the front line. We were just like throwing him out. <laughs> He's a, a Royal Navy helicopter pilot in the war with Argentina to recapture the Falkland Islands in the 1980s and return as a hero. Uh, I didn't even know there was a war with Argentina that, in the uh, 1980s. Oh, I remember the Falkland Islands. I remember the name. Yeah, this smells like bullshit to me. I don't believe he's a war hero for a second. I'm a war hero and a royal. I demand a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, I mean, all right, we'll see what we can get you. It's just amazing that that Epstein guy roped so many people into that shit. Mm-hmm. It's real weird, man. It's real weird when something that creepy turns out to be true. Yeah, and it's very revealing. I mean, it's like, so if you had an honest press, you know, if they weren't uh, every bit as corrupt as those conspiracy theorists think they are, you would think that the fact that, say, like a former president was on his flight logs would have led to a huge scandal where they would really want to get to the bottom of that. You would think right now they'd still want to get to the bottom of that. Like, hey, who else was involved in this? What is, now, okay, he was on his plane. We don't know that that means that Bill Clinton was involved in, in the worst aspects of it. But you would think the, the press would at least want to find that out. And no. there's very little interest. No, because the press goes after Bill Clinton, then Hillary Clinton gets somehow connected to it, and then that could sink Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and that's bad for people who hate Donald Trump. Well, that's, that's, that's for sure. Big to be demolished. Oh my God. Local real estate developer says he's in contract to buy the waterfront estate and is planning to knock it down and build a new home. That's a smart move. Twenty-two million dollars. Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's expensive down there. Meanwhile, it's going to be underwater in like five years, according to Al Gore, right? I also already left it to a Christian group, which I was trying to find too. So I don't know which one of those two stories. This is the Wall Street Journal, so I believe that over the he left it to someone. Do you think they just have to knock it down just because it's his? Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to? Yeah. Do you think it'd be awkward if there was like part of it they wanted to keep? When I was looking at real estate in Boulder, the house where the.
a little girl was killed. What was her name? The little girl who was in Tommy the uh, Ramsey. Ramsey. That, that house has been for sale forever. They can't sell it. I think they even changed the address. They might even change the name of the street. I'm trying to sell it and they just couldn't sell it. Because I remember we were looking at it like, this house is nice. Like, why is it so cheap? It's one of those deals. And then you find out, you're like, oh, fuck. Because if you can afford a nice house, you'd probably prefer not the one that a little girl was killed in. Nobody wants a house. Yeah. Nobody wants a house. We're going to New York. It says it's listed at 88 million. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to New York. <laughs> moving to New York. I'm buying it as long as it comes to paying the Bill Clinton and the Blue <laughs> I heard it's set up with a lot of equipment, so we should be able to do it. Okay. Let's go. Oh, yeah, streams right to CIA. You don't, even, <laughs> you don't even have to get them to watch you on YouTube. They get a, they get a live feed. Yeah, I'm going to buy that house. Right. Fuck it. Yeah. Why not? It's pretty probably, epic. It's a, probably a really good investment. Probably yeah. worth 89 million eventually. Yeah, and then 70 or something. So it's already gone up. <laughs> and then if you try to sell it, it'll be like, oh, this was Joe Rogan's right. place. It won't have that Epstein you know, stink on it anymore. Right. Okay. I think it's a good move. I support my guy. See if I can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't buy a fucking newsstand in New York City. I don't believe in New York City anymore. I don't. I think that De Blasio guys ruined that place for a solid 10 years. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we got the fans on here, right? I can smoke the cigar. Uh, they were. I'll go double check. Okay. Yeah, it's for sale right now. Gargantuan, New York City mansion. Mm. Home to Epstein Horrors. Mm. I can rent it. Thirty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, bam. That's what we need to do. We need to rent it. We do it on the podcast. You know what we should do? We should fill it up with homeless people. Leave. Just rent it and just let, let homeless people live there. Just tell, tell them we want one room to do the podcast, and then we'll have security that make sure the homeless people don't go in that room. Everything else, you do whatever you want. Then that actually sounds like a Bill de Blasio plan that you're putting into effect. That's yeah, more it's or less progressive. Yeah. It's progressive. Yeah, there you go. Imagine we did that. <laughs> they probably give you a freaking medal. Bill de Blasio would probably celebrate you for doing that. that so you know, that's not his real name. Yeah, I, I do know that. Tell like, German name. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very weird guy. Oh, he's weird. Um, and really uh, committed to his weird ideology that he wants, uh, you know, like to uh, not just when things get back to normal, they can't get back to the regular normal. It's got to be this uh, more, you know, inclusive normal. And he, so he's taking it upon himself that he's going to try to remake New York City uh, in his progressive image uh, while the city's going through the worst year. It's, it's been through in my lifetime. He's an odd duck. I don't yeah. know how he got there. I don't obviously I don't live there, so I don't understand it. But um, New York City, it's, um, tell me if this is true. But I'm pretty sure, Jamie, that one percent of the people in New York City pay fifty percent of the taxes. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. yeah. The fact that you could piss those people off and still be mayor is hilarious. Yeah. Like how does? Well, they still only get one vote each. So you know that's kind of the way it works. You that's can, cute. You know, well, you just said it's cute. Like it really works that way. It's just one person, one vote. That's it. Yeah. No one has any additional influence at all. Well, no, but I'm just saying that if you can win elections by playing to, to oh, the other okay. to, to other people, and also that you know some of those people kind of like the progressive. Rhetoric. Look at this. Look at the statistics. But bananas. The highest earning one percent of New York City res residents generated forty three percent of the city income taxes and fifty one percent of the New York State income taxes collected from individuals living in the city as of two thousand sixteen. That's crazy. <laughs> that's so much money. And then you hear all this stuff about paying your fair share. Jesus. And it's like, so where exactly does that come in? Is that not enough? Well, it's like LA, right? It's like a lot of people felt like even though the taxes were exorbitant, it was worth it because LA pre COVID was pretty badass. You know, the comedy store for us, like yeah. obviously I'm comedy centric, but the comedy store was open. The restaurants, restaurants were amazing there's so much so many things to do you know it's just yeah it's crowded yeah, but the people are cool as fuck it's like there's a lot of good things and then as soon as covid hit everybody was like why are we here yeah like why am i paying so much and then they start talking about raising the taxes to 16 plus 16 plus percent state taxes that's more than i give my agent <laughs> yeah, right. you imagine yeah it's crazy well and it's i think that also happened i think even more so in new york um because when the you know like in new york it's the same thing it's like well it's expensive you pay a ton for your renter or, or to own or whatever but you know it's like the best museums the best yeah. nightlife the best food yeah. the best all these things yeah. but then all of a sudden when the lockdowns hit now people are like locked down in a one-bedroom apartment that they could get a house for yeah. you know anywhere else in the country and a lot of people started to re-question why am i here and people started looking real pale mm -hmm. a lot of my friends that live there, they would go out very rarely. When you see them, they'd be like real sunken in. And like, that is the worst look for your immune system. I mean, you're not getting any vitamin D. Yeah. You're not out there at all. Well, that's the terrible irony of this whole thing, right? Is that it really ended up fucking over so many people's immune systems because the worst thing you could do, like the best thing you could do for COVID is, is have your immune system in good shape.